Good morning, DJ and PK at 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Welcome in on a Tuesday morning. Utah Jazz at home tonight. They're hosting the Sacramento Kings. One quick home game. Then right back out on the road, headed off to the southeast, Atlanta, Miami, and Orlando. We will get to that coming up. We'll also get to Monday Night Football coming up. The Chiefs looked uh, adequate, beat the Giants. Don't look like a playoff team. They're four and four, playing three division leaders in a row before they get to a bye. They're going to be four and seven, five and six. Watching them play the Giants, it's hard to believe they'll be any better than that. We'll get to that coming up as well. Right now, though, we're going to talk college football: Utes, Cougars, Aggies. Three teams, all in good shape. Heading into November here, we've got the Utes in first place in their division, the Aggies in first place in their division, BYU seven and two. All of these teams have what look like two gimme wins on their schedule. You you can turn the ball over three, four times and blow any game. But the Aggies ought to beat New Mexico and New Mexico State. The Utes ought to beat Arizona and Colorado. Honestly, they should beat Stanford, too. And BYU, Idaho State, Georgia Southern, they should be 9-2 and going to USC. And I'll be favored in that game. 10-2 and is very doable. So we'll hear from the coaches, the state of their teams, what they're thinking. They will not take them three games at a time. You can count on that. That's for me to do. And I just did. Let's start with Utah State coach Blake Anderson with PK and I. Coach, good morning. Good morning. Coach, you weren't down by 10 or 14. There's no <laughs> dramatic come from by. You were up by 30 and you won by 20. And then I listened to the post game and like you were pretty cranky. You felt like you, they let, you let them off the hook. Was that you being a coach? Did you have to or did you, you have to say that kind of stuff? Or when you watch the films, you think, yeah, we were better than I thought. No, I was I was a little cranky. Um, you know, I just when you get a, we gave up a ten point run, we gave up a fifteen point run, we made a couple of really silly mistakes late. Um, you know, that's one of those games you just want to go ahead and put away, and we let those guys back to a thirteen point game, and it, it, with a lot of time on the clock, I'm like, wait a minute, we're not doing this again, are we? But um, we made a few plays down the stretch, a couple kind of unique plays. You don't normally run a onside kick back for a touchdown, so that was. Uh, that was one we didn't expect, but uh, it, it was a good win. We came out and played early, played played well early, which is something we've struggled to do most of the year uh, to get up seventeen to nothing. But but then we did let them go. We let them go on a ten point run. Got a little, I think, a little. We relaxed a little bit. That was frustrating, and made another run at them in the third quarter. And and then again, we we make some mistakes and let them back in. Just want to see us play a a complete game where we kind of avoid those lapses and and so that was where the frustration came couple personal fouls um, of guys just kind of acting outside of character little things that get you beat against a really really good football team fortunately we were a little bit better than them and especially Saturday uh, you know never felt like that um, that it got away from us just some signs of things I don't want to see you know that could hurt us in the future with the energy that a new coaching staff was going to provide, combined with the amount of new players that you were bringing in, I didn't buy that it was going to be bottoming out with only two or three wins and you're going to be pathetic. I know some folks might have thought that. But at the same time, I didn't know that you would be vying for a division title and maybe beyond that we'll see how this goes i had yet the five or six win total possibility of getting bowl eligible and now you're already obviously bowl eligible what does that mean for the program your first year for these kids that are here now but also the message it sends to prospective players 
Oh, that's huge. I mean, that's that's you're trying to build a brand and and exceed expectations every year, raise them, uh, so that 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 you know we want to be in the mix. Uh, we didn't really talk about how many wins or bowl eligibility or anything. We haven't really up to this point. Uh, we just talked about trying to be the best team. This team was you know capable of being and. And I, I don't really understand the league. I don't really know the league. We're learning one week at a time what, what each team looks like. And it's extremely competitive. I think if you look across the board in the league, a lot of people beating each other up on a weekly basis. A team win one, you know, wins one week. Next week, they can't get it done. And so we're very fortunate that we're in the position we're in with as tough a schedule that we've had early. And you've got to give the guys credit, both the guys that have been here that went through one and five, that went through a, an ugly transition and also the guys that chose us, you know, in the trans, trans, uh, portal and, and decided to come be a part of a team that had gone one and five. So uh, there's a lot of people that have made this you know, possible, and we're not done. We're still focusing on being, you know, one degree better daily, trying to take one and oh mentality each week. But excited that we have, you know, really some, some really cool things ahead of us if we can just keep improving. Well, Coach, as someone who's uh, followed the league since San Diego State came in more than 40 years ago, I thought you could get four, five, or six wins. I had no idea you'd be battling for eight, nine, or ten wins, and that's clearly where this is going. But it does seem like the risk is that the guys mess up a game because they get fat and happy. And I wonder how much you're staying on top of them. Like, this is great, but at some point when people are winning more than they expect to win – I've seen teams in multiple sports, pro and college, uh, it's too easy, and they just let one slip through their fingers. It should never happen. So how much do you have to stay on the team about that? Well, that's, that's the message every day. We'll meet today, and, and that's what the message will be today. I'll obviously pat them on the back for some good things they did, but, but there's going to be a lot of today's meeting that's going to be the, the things we did poorly. We've, uh, we've been very, very critical all year long. I think um, – we're very quick to praise them for great effort and attitude, and we're also just as quick to hold them accountable and be very hard on them for mistakes. I mean, making the play you're supposed to make, I mean, you shouldn't get patted on the back for that. I mean, that you should get patted on the back for, for unbelievable effort and energy, which is what we, we thrive on, because we're not more talented than the people that we're playing. I mean, everybody looks as good or better than us, so we got to out-athlete them in, in space and out-effort uh, them in space, and and so we praise that, but then we are very hard and, and hold each other very, you know, highly accountable for mistakes. And, and in this game, we had several. We created two turnovers that were self-inflicted. We had some personal fouls that were after the play because of bad poor choices. We had some busted coverages that let them back in the game uh, when, when really it should have been put away. So those are the things we're going to spend our time on because you're right. It could very easily be a deal where we, we overlook an opponent this week particularly. That's not a conference game against New Mexico State, but, but clearly it doesn't affect conference play and they're not having a great year and it's a rough, uh, a tough road trip. And we've got to be, we got to be super focused on being the best team we can be and, and not looking at the record, looking at the standings or patting ourselves on the back. It's a good way to get beat. Offensive line went, uh, what, eight sacks to one. I don't know how much of the level of the competition matters in there in determining the number of sacks, but evaluate their play against Hawaii. Well, we we ran the ball fairly well. You know, the numbers were not gaudy, but but effective, and, and that helped. 
we we were strategic too. Now you got to give Colorado State credit; those dudes can rush the passer. I think we've seen that every week. There's a reason they're ranked as high as they are defensively, and we got exposed. Now I thought we were a little bit smarter this week uh, with, with just the game plan itself. We we did change the launch point a little bit. We did try to slow them down a little bit, but the ability to run the ball and stay ahead of the chains helped dramatically. And we're starting to get a couple guys back that have been out uh, to injuries. And hopefully over this week we can maybe get, grab another guy or two. The, the, the biggest issues we have right now are depth and, and, and health on the O-line. That has been a problem for several weeks. And it, it got exposed a couple weeks ago. We did a much better job Saturday. Hawaii is good. They're not as powerful. They're quick and have speed. But we did manage it better in this particular game than we have in the last couple. You know, we understand you're new to football on this side of the country, so you don't know a lot of these teams. It's unusual. Hawaii's played New Mexico State twice. You just played Hawaii. How much does that help educate you for this game coming up? Well, I think it'll help. I think it'll help a little bit. Now, I've, I've played New Mexico State a ton, to be honest with you, yeah. in my career. Uh, several leagues that we crossed over and played and haven't spent time at New Mexico and know their head coach, Doug Martin, really well. I think he does a great job with, with – Less, I don't think he is given a ton of resources, and it's tough to recruit there. But he always is right in the fight. They always find a way to score points. I think seeing them against Hawaii has got to help us, just in terms of the what this guy looks like, how he runs, physically, what he, what you know, what the matchups are going to be like, and and off, offensively, their system is at least spread out enough that you get an idea of, of how New Mexico State might want to play us. So it does benefit us some to to have a couple games to look at uh, against them. As you said earlier this year, I think before the season, you and I, with our Jonesboro background, since we've been to the mall there, we are family. Uh, so I followed uh, Jones, uh, Arkansas State a little bit. Uh, don't know on uh, game times, though, as if you played a lot of day games. And on this side of the country, you tend to play a night game. I'm just wondering for you as a head coach, you play a day game in a beautiful setting, you win. How relaxing is it on Saturday evening then without all that stress? You know, it's funny you say that. Uh, I was walking through the hallway at 4.45 in the afternoon, and um, Coach Zuck, our linebacker's coach, was sitting in his office. says, you know what's, what's even better than winning a game on Saturday? He said, what? I said, winning one and being done at 4.30 in the afternoon where I can go watch other people stress out all evening. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. There's the uh, only thing better than that is winning one about 11 a.m. But it was, <laughs> hey, we had great weather, uh, super good crowd as usual. And, and to get a win, I thought this was a key win. I, I really did. We've battled hard to get this point. We just didn't know exactly what we were up against. There's a little bit of an unknown as to what we would see from them, how they would travel. I had a lot of respect for them out in space. So I, I, there was a lot of stress going into this particular game of the unknowns. We responded well. We won, and to be done about four thirty-five o'clock in the afternoon, and be able to you know flip channels and enjoy family—that's that's a great feeling. So, did you watch San Diego State Fresno State? That was an awfully big game I, in the other division. I, I did watch it. I did watch it, and uh, you know that's two really good football teams going at each other. Uh, I, I wasn't sure how that was going to finish up, but uh, you know, I, I I knew both were really talented. I was kind of surprised at how it finished out, just with how how well San Diego State's been playing defense all season. But uh, that side of the league is is beating each other up on a weekly basis as well. And still a lot of big, pivotal games to be played in the next three weeks. Going forward, what's your running back situation? 
Well, we've been by committee, and Calvin Tyler was out this particular week with right. a broken bone in his hand. He will be back. He probably could have played on Saturday. It would have it would have been probably pretty risky to put him out, although he was ready and dressed. And, and luckily, I just thought the other guys came in and did a good job. And, and you're seeing several different guys play. Uh, Noah is, has run the ball really, really well, played physical. I mean, the very first run of the game kind of set the tempo. We handed off power, and, and he broke two tackles and popped an explosive. And I think it just kind of gave everybody a spark, like, all right, here we go. Um, you know, John Gentry's coming in, giving some, some reps. Lockheed's doing the same thing. We, we'll, get, we'll get Calvin back, and, and I do think we miss him in the sense he's a veteran guy with, uh, with a skill set that really he can do everything we need to. He gives us a little bit of a burst. He's probably the, the fastest of the group, and we've seen that a couple times this year. Uh, but it, it is still going to be a little bit by committee, I think, as we move forward because each one kind of brings something different to the table. Blake Anderson, Utah State football coach, joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This late in the season, what do you think about going out of conference? It's not that, you know, for me, I haven't done it very often. So I think it comes at a good time uh, to some degree, you know, just kind of take the pressure off of, of, you know, that winner go home mentality that conference play comes with because we just, we are obviously in, in the lead in the standings, but there's no wiggle room. We don't, we can't afford to give one up. And so it takes a little pressure off there. Um, but it's, to me, I mean, it's, it's, it's a pride game. It, it kind of tells you who your team is. Um, you, can you go on the road? It's not a beautiful, you know, it's not going to be a packed house, beautiful trip. It's a little bit of tough to get there. You, you typically go through El Paso and, and have to drive over. It's not, a, it's not a packed house environment similar to what we felt at Vegas. So it's a little unique to be playing a game this late in the season that doesn't impact your conference play. And so it's a chance to find out kind of how mature we are. Well, you don't have any wiggle room in conference right now, but you will if Fresno State at home beats Boise State. Yeah, we we uh, we may be pulling for Fresno this week to be honest with you. So, not sure that'll add any points to the board. That should be a great game. Should be a great game. We're we're in good position with uh, the tiebreakers uh, with the rest of the guys in the league. Obviously, Boise uh, they're going to play they're going to play lights out to try to maintain their their chance as well. And all we got to do is just take care of us. I mean, that's to me. We just need to focus on getting better. Still made enough mistakes to lose the game. We improve this week and, and see if we can just one week at a time be a little bit better football team. Well, Coach, thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it, and we will talk to you again next week. Good luck in Las Cruces. Thanks, guys. Take care. There's Utah State coach Blake Anderson. When we come back, Utah football coach Kyle Whittingham, stay with us. It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Aggies take a break from Mountain West Conference play for a trip to New Mexico for a showdown against New Mexico State. Catch all the play-by-play action this Saturday, beginning with the Aggie pregame show at 1. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. It is time to hear from Kyle Whittingham now. The youth getting ready to play Stanford on a short week. The Cardinal have lost three in a row, four out of five. If it sounds like the youth should win, well, they should win. 
But you never know because Stanford's only win in this five-game stretch is over nationally ranked Oregon. The Ducks' only loss of the year. So, what will the Utes do against a team that rarely runs for 100 yards and almost always gives up 200 yards rushing to the other team? You would think the Utes would dominate. Kyle will talk about that. Quarterback play. Uh, Devin Lloyd returning after uh, 30 minutes. Now they get him for 60 against Stanford. Here is Kyle Whittingham. First thing I want to say is uh, congratulations to my good friend uh, Gary Patterson on a great career at, at T- uh, Texas Christian University. Uh, all-time winningest coach. Uh, just did a t- tremendous job during his time there. And uh, just won't be the same without him on the sidelines there at uh, at the uh, – Horn Frog Stadium, watching him patrol the sidelines. But, but uh, congrats to Gary, and, and uh, very confident if he wants to keep coaching, he'll have plenty of opportunities. And so, just want to wish him the best, and and uh, let him know I have the utmost respect for him and what he's done in his career. Uh, secondly, uh, Devin Lloyd has been named a semifinalist for both the uh, Bednarik Award and the Butkus Award, which is great news for Devin and for us. It's a it's a uh, prestigious honor if he's able to continue on and win that. But just to get this far has been um, really a tribute to his hard work and and everything he's put into this program through the years. Uh, as far as our game, uh, proud of the way our guys play. We came out and played with a great deal of physicality, and that was the uh, the mantra all week long was physicality. We knew we were <clears throat> going up against a, a very stout run defense, uh, top 12 in the nation, I believe, uh, number one in the Pac-12. And... Uh, you know, under 100 yards allowed, and we gained nearly 300 yards rushing. And so that was talk about the one biggest factor in the game, and the reason why we were able to win that game was our ability to run the ball. Uh, everything in our offense uh, plays off of that: the play-action boot game, and and it just sets up everything. And uh, Tavion had a big night. I was proud of him. Offensive line, uh, another reshuffling of the, of the offensive line. Uh, had to we were out without Keaton Bills, and so Nick Ford moved over to left guard. Paul Miley came in at center, did a great job. And uh, the rest speaks for itself. I mean, the the uh, the numbers uh, were terrific. Uh, defensively, we played a lot better than we did the week before. Still not uh, great defense, but but certainly improved defense. Uh, had some big plays, an interception that set up a touchdown for our offense, a safety, um, which uh, was huge at the time. That was a, a, a play that really got the momentum uh, back in our favor. And... Uh, so, and special teams was not really a big factor. Uh, we didn't punt the ball at all with our punt unit. We had two quick kicks with our offense, and Cam Rising did a great job with those. Uh, Covey had a couple returns, their one return, uh, and they only punted twice as well, and then not much going on in the kickoff game. So, anyway, it was a good win. Uh, you know, we're uh, heading to Stanford on a short week, which is, is a challenge, but, you know, everyone's got some of those uh, challenges in their schedule somewhere, and this happens to be uh, one for us this week uh, on the road, like I said, uh, and uh, one day less to prepare, so we got to be very good in our preparation and our utilization of the time that we do have, and uh, it's, uh, you know, hopefully uh, are able to keep some of this momentum that we got. Our offense have played, has played very well four weeks in a row now. I think it's four weeks in a row of over 450 yards, a total low, uh, another week of no turnovers. And so we seem to be really figuring out uh, some things on, on offense. There's always room to get better, but uh, got guys stepping up, making plays. And, and as I mentioned, the offensive line just really is uh, performing well. So questions? Kyle, you opened up 
speaking about uh, Gary Patterson. Uh-huh. Does that at all get you thinking about the longevity that you've had? <laughs> sure does, and it uh, and it uh, lets you know that uh, nobody's. Uh, Safe, I guess the word. No matter no matter what the circumstances in college football, and and uh, it's uh, a ruthless business, but it, it should be, I guess. You get paid well, and, and I'm not not complaining about it, but but it does. It, it was an eye opener, and, and uh, came to me as a big surprise. Um, but like I said, he's a one heck of a coach, and if he wants to keep coaching, he'll have plenty of suitors to to uh, choose from. In my opinion. You- Going back with that, I mean, now that makes you the second longest tenured coach in, in FBS. I mean, when you <clears throat> job in 2004, did you kind of envision this would be your long-term? Not career? even close. Not even close. I figured I'd do it three or four years and and maybe, you know, try the NFL or something like that. But but uh, it's been a great run. I've got no no regrets, no, com- no, uh, no uh, you know, if I had to do it over, I'd do it just the way it laid out. It was, it's been a terrific ride. When you hear second longest, you start to wince. You're doing it. You're doing it. I'm again. doing it again. Yeah, <laughs> you, uh, I'm good at wincing. Put that into words. What are you feeling when you? Uh, blessed, fortunate, um, very blessed to have had the the talent level of player that we've had come through here, and the character level, not just talent, but character, and just uh, uh, the assistant coaches that have come through here. It's just been a. Uh, I've just been fortunate to be. A part of the whole thing, and and uh, surrounded by really good players and really good coaches, and you know, at at its core, coaching is about relationships and the relationships with your players and your assistant coaches, and and uh, can't say how thankful I am for the for the uh, opportunity and the longevity that I've had, and love this university. It's been a it's been a, a great uh, however many years it's been, 17 years as the head coach, I guess, and another 10 years on top of that. Uh, as defensive coach. Now, how, do, how do you not let, you know, obviously you, you've got that two-game lead and everything's going well for you guys and you've got that physicality that you wanted, you know, in that Oregon State game. But you go against a, a tough Stanford team that's obviously physical, that, that's kind of their MO, obviously. How, how do you kind of keep that momentum going, especially on a short week? Well, it's uh, we had a team meeting last night and we certainly addressed those uh, very things you mentioned. Uh, and the only thing that matters for us this week is, is trying to find a way to beat Stanford. You know, you know, we don't care where we're sitting in the standings and we don't we certainly don't focus on it. That's probably a better term. Um, we know they're a good football team. They've beaten uh, USC, they've beaten Oregon, and so they're 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 a team that uh, can can play really good football. Um, and that's really the nature of the Pac-12. If you're not ready any week, I mean, look what happened last week. I mean, who saw uh, Oregon State getting beat by what? By uh, who beat Oregon State? Cal, Cal. Cal by Cal, and and then Washington State winning. I mean, it's just this conference is such that you've got to be at your best every week, or or you're going to get uh, you're going to get beat. Kyle, it's already a short week, but how do you kind of overcome the fact that tomorrow is a mandated day off? Well, we got a waiver through the NC2A, and uh, so we uh, get to practice. We'll, we'll educate our players and as well as give them opportunity to do what they need to do with their civic, is it called civic engagement? Is that what it's called? Okay, civic engagement, So, uh, which is a big word for me. <laughs> um, but we will give them that opportunity and make sure that uh, – that they're not missing out on anything because of uh, their responsibilities here. But fortunately, like I said, the NC2A uh, granted us and Stanford, and I don't know 
you know, there's other teams in the country that play on Thursday and Friday. I believe this week, maybe they got the same treatment, but but uh, we're fortunate for that because that would have been really difficult to get ready and uh, prepare a team on a, a week that's short already, and then to lose a, a day, really your most physical day. We're only being pads one day this week, and and that's the day tomorrow. So so uh, very relieved that we're able to practice. Kyle, you, you started Clark Phillips at uh, Nickel. Um, how, how, how do you think that fared, and is this something that could be long-term for him? Uh, I thought he handled it well, uh, particularly with the lack of experience he's had at that position. Uh, we hope it's not long-term. We hope to get Malone Montelli back. That's the reason why Clark made the move inside. Uh, we're paper thin at corner right now, but hopefully we get, like I said, Malone back, and, and uh, Clark uh, is – as talented as he is, he's, he does feel more comfortable on the outside. You know, that nickel spot is a whole different world. It's There's a lot uh, of variables and, and much different than playing on the outside. The quick kick stuff with Sam, <clears throat> is that something that you will at least continue to look at it? and consider, or is that kind of a one-off? Well, we'll see. You know, we'll see. It certainly paid dividends uh, on Saturday night. Both kicks ended up inside the 10-yard line. Cam was his punter, was the punter for his high school team, and so it's nothing new to him. And a uh, quick kick is nothing, you know, extraordinary. I mean, a lot of teams in the country do it and have success with it. But to answer your question, we'll see where it fits from week to week. Did he, did he place kick? <laughs> I don't know if he place kicked. Uh, even if he did, I wouldn't consider it. But uh, I couldn't tell you that. Uh, our kickers will we'll be okay. You know, we, we've hit a – we're not as good as typically we have been. We're about 56%, which is not good. We're 80% is our goal. So so we're not faring well in place kicking. I guess that's why you mentioned it. But, but uh, I'll ask him. Let me get back to you on that. Yeah, it's a good weapon, and in particular with the day and uh, age of analytics where more people are going for fourth downs and in that 40 to 40 range, you know, from the minus 40 to the plus 40 on a fourth and short, that's a great opportunity to utilize it. And then if, if teams uh, play safeties deep to guard against it, then you run an offensive play and, and you have an advantage there. So, so I, yeah, it is a little bit surprising that it's not more universal, but your quarterback has to feel comfortable doing it. And I guess a lot of quarterbacks have very little experience punting the football. Jake Browning did it phenomenal at, uh, the, at Washington. He was really good at it. In the fourth quarter, Jaden <clears throat> took both the PATs. Is that competition open or is that? Open competition, and uh, it's only fair. You know, when Jaden missed a couple early in the year, we gave Jordan an opportunity. Now he missed a couple that uh, one for sure we feel was very makeable. And so when you got two good kickers and uh, they're battling, it's you got to try to be as uh, fair as you can. And right now Jaden's getting his opportunity again to – and he was an all-pack 12 kicker last year. He was the first team all-pack 12 place kicker, so we know he's he's got it in him. Stanford's quarterback is in his first year as a starter. What kind of stands out to you about him Big, strong kid, uh, pocket guy. You know, he can move around, but he'd rather uh, beat you from the pocket. Uh, 6'6", uh, 230, 40, whatever he is. Uh, strong arm, like I said. And uh, he's... Uh, yeah, he's a good player. He's a really good player. He's very sought after out of high school. He was a big-time recruit coming out of high school, went on a church mission, and uh, now he's back, and, and he's their guy at this point. Are you, surprised, are you surprised by their lack of a running game? They got one 100-yard pass. 
Typically, Stanford is a grinded-out team and, and has a, a, a featured tailback that is pretty high-profile, and, and they run the ball right at you. And, and uh, most years, they rush for a lot more than what they're rushing for now. But every year is different, and some years you just don't have uh, the same blend of guys that lend itself to what you've been doing, and you got to modify and change, and I think that's what they're doing this year. With, with how uh, Stanford plays, similar to you guys being really, really physical, is it is it a really good benefit to be playing on Friday to have the extra day to uh, For the next week, uh, yeah, I guess you could say that. I mean, what what's short you at the at the front end, you gain in the back end, and so yeah, I think that uh, that will definitely be a, a chance to uh, get our guys extra rest and and uh, heal up. I guess you could say for the for the next one. They're physical. Um, you know, you respect every opponent you, uh, opponent you play, and they're not having as good a year on defense as, as typically they have. I, I know that uh, in years past they've been very stingy uh, defensively, and uh, but this year a little little less so in the run game on defense. But still, we're expecting a physical battle, and and uh, you know it should be a great game. Do you expect Keaton Bills to be? On we hope. Well, all we can do is hope. Yep. Game day decision. Same with, same with Malone. With the offensive line, what's been the biggest key to their turnaround? Oh, that's a good question because uh, I think it's just hard work and continuing to you know accept Coach Harding's uh, coaching and because it hasn't been continuity because we've had so much uh, flux there. We had a couple weeks where we were pretty settled in, but but uh, seems to be a lot of different combinations that we've used but uh, they just have a lot of pride in that room and and uh, there's talent there's there's good players in the room and and uh, I think Nick Ford looked really good at guard he was really good at guard uh, on Saturday and and, uh, and Paul Miley like I mentioned came in and did a really good job at center had a couple errant snaps but but other than that played really well so I think I just think it's uh, hard work focus uh, attention to detail and and accepting their coaching Good question. That's something we'll have to uh, determine when we when we're faced with it. And uh, right now, it's it's unknown. But but Nick is so talented. He's I think he's played all five positions at some point since he's been here. And uh, that's a rarity when you got a guy that can play. It's one thing to play all five, but play all five at the level that he plays on this is pretty impressive. So we'll we'll see what happens and who's available and, and uh, just try to put the best five out there. To kind of go off of what uh, Steve was saying about the uh, O-line, just that for, for the offense as a whole, for you guys to be really constantly putting points on the board, scoring touchdowns and finishing drives that way, it kind of started when, when Cam took over. Is that any kind of coincidence, or, or is it just the fact that everyone just started to play? I think there's a few things. I think Cam taking over was one of them. I think uh, us uh, going even to more tight end sets than we were early on, two and three tight end sets pretty regularly now. If you look at the breakdowns, we're pretty heavy, and, and we should be. Those three tight ends are terrific. And so you got to play to the strength of your team and get the best players out there and, and – uh, you know, maximize what you got, and I, so I think it's a combination of, of all those all those things, and and uh, you know the efficiency of the old line. We're running the ball so much better now than we did early on. That uh, that's that's a big uh, factor, but probably the biggest factor, the biggest factor, is the way Camp's playing. I mean, you look at the statistically, uh, he's one of the top ten quarterbacks in the country. After the back-to-back non-conference losses, would you have been surprised? To know that he'd be going into November with a one-game lead and all the tiebreakers in the division. 
Uh, not necessarily because we felt we were a good football team at that point. We just were not playing well. We knew we had good good players, and we just weren't. We didn't know who we were yet, and particularly on offense, and and started to figure some things out. And then we had the quarterback change, like we just talked about, and uh, we just started to gain momentum uh, from that point on, and figure out what we do best, and and who our playmakers are, and who we need to get the ball to, and and uh, not that we didn't have a good idea going in, but we we started to doing a better job of doing uh, what we knew we had to do, and so we didn't do a good job early on of of getting uh, things situated. After the game, a lot of the players reacted you know, pretty favorably in, in Lumea's uh, pancake block. They're, they're pretty excited about that. With, with that kind of that effort, is, is that confidence and seeing stuff like that that allows people to kind of make plays kind of led to the offense, kind of having that, knowing that, I, I guess what I'm asking is how much does the confidence of the team now help this offense? Oh, a ton. You know, you're playing with confidence and, and passion. You know, they, they're really having fun. I mean, I, I, I would assume you can see that out there. They're, they're enjoying what they're doing. Uh, they're not pressing. They're not tight. They're just letting the game come to them and making plays. And really, we've had so few drops. You know, we had uh, TJ Pledger had a couple. Well, one might not have been considered a drop, but, but very few drops in the games and, and the receiving, the, the pass efficiency has really gone hand in hand with the the increased efficiency in the run game it all ties together like i said and we're and uh we seem to be hitting on uh just about all cylinders right now on the other side of the ball um where where can they improve i guess the quickest the most in a week-to-week type thing well, I think just doing your job and you're one eleventh, and at times it's human nature when things start to go awry you get a little bit of panic and say okay i got to do help someone else do their job and not attend to my job and I think that's and that just makes that's the exact opposite of what should happen when when you meet adversity and things are not going well that's when you need to reel yourself in and return back to your fundamentals and your techniques and everybody do their job not try to do too much and I think that was what was happening a few times this year with our defense is people just hey you know if I don't try to make a heroic play you know we're not going to get out of this drive and consequently you try to do that and you leave your job vulnerable and so I think that uh, we can do a better job and continue to focus on doing your 111th take care of your job trust the guy next to you to take care of his job and things will usually work out is that mostly a product of youth and experience it's a big product of that yeah that's uh, and that's something that we have uh, trying to educate these guys every week because there's a, a group that doesn't have a lot of experience Kyle Vasse is playing with a cast on his hand. He got dinged up on Saturday. Can you maybe just speak to you know the toughness that he's shown here for the last month? He's he is a tough kid. He's he's a guy that uh, has uh, come so far since he joined our program and and made and has had so much development take place. And uh, now he's battling. He's battling more than just the 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 hand injury. And he's just out there every single week. Uh, he you know sometimes can't make it through the whole game due to things that he has going on, but. But uh, he's a guy that's got a lot of a lot of guts and a lot of toughness to him. When you lose a guy like when you lose a guy like <coughs> for even just a single half, how much do you have to adjust that? I mean, we saw obviously you do something on the coin toss you don't normally do. Mm-hmm. Um, how much do you schematically have to adjust to, to losing a like that? Well, it, it depends on what package you're in. In the nickel package, where a four-two look, uh, Karenny Reed is is playing so well that. Uh, 
you know, we feel comfortable with him in there with Nephi as long as we have those two guys in there. And then in the 43 package, uh, Hayden Fury came in and did some nice things. But you're going to miss Devin Lloyd. I don't care what else is going on. He's an All-American, and, and you're going to miss his production and his leadership. And so uh, it was good to see that guys hold down the fort while he was out. And, uh, you know, when he came back in, even though the, the numbers were about the same uh, first and second half as far as points, uh, he, he gives us a spark, and he's a playmaker. There is Kyle Whittingham, you coach Kalani Sataki, the Cougars coach, up next. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It's a Friday night edition of Utah football as the Utes hit the road to square off against David Shaw and the Stanford Cardinal in a key Pac-12 battle. Catch the Ute pregame show Friday night with a postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Ute football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK, 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We have heard from Blake Anderson and from Kyle Whittingham in the 6 o'clock hour. Time now to hear from BYU football coach Kalani Sataki. Uh, really excited about this game. Um, opportunity to be at home again, and, and really uh, it's a senior day. So, um, uh, you know, want to send them out with a win. And, um, you know, we're looking forward to the game, but looking also forward to improving and um building off of what we did last week. So it was a good game last week. I'm glad we got the win. Um, you know, I, I think I spoke about all that uh, Saturday night. So it almost feels like it was not long ago. So, but I'll answer any questions about the game that we just had. And then but really looking forward to having our last game at Lavelle Edwards Stadium uh, for some of these young men. They'll never be able to play a game in that stadium again. So I uh, just want to make sure that we keep the focus on that and respect our opponents. They're well coached. They, they've had some some tough games, but also they've been competitive. They played Nevada and and um, played competitively in, in the first half and, and kept things interesting to the fourth quarter. And then they've, you know, they, they were hanging in there with Weaver as well last week. So so um, I think the most important thing to do in f- game of football is for us to perform at our best every week, including this week, and then uh, respect our opponents and looking forward to being on the field with them. So take any questions you guys have. All right. Thanks. We'll start with uh, Jared Lloyd and then Mitch and Jay Drew. Lonnie, we've talked about this a little bit in the past, but I was thinking about it over the weekend after the way Virginia played and, and what you guys needed to do to win the game. You, 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 you've talked about how you like being aggressive. You'd like going for it on fourth down. You like having that control and that, you know, kind of pushing, you know, kind of pushing the, the boundaries. Is it hard sometimes to say, Hey, we need to drop eight. We need to put the pressure on the back end instead of the front end on defense. I mean, it worked for you. You mentioned that after the game, but is that hard just philosophically wise for you sometimes? Uh, but I, I don't look at uh, the scheme as of when I talk about aggressive, it's more mindset, you know, drop baits, not a, not a, uh, a popular thing for some people, but it's hard to score on, you know, cause, uh, but you like that or you like giving up one play for a touchdown. I mean, that's, I, I would love to blitz every down. That'd be awesome. Right. But, uh, there's always a, a, a 
there's always a payment for for things like that and so uh i think there's a mixture of both i, I think for me mindset is to be aggressive but also to be complementary of our offense defense and special teams all working together i think if you can be complementary you can win win more games rather than trying to be focused only on your own phases i think a rod's got to worry about the offense he's got to worry about the defense has got to worry about special teams and what uh, ed and i have to do is uh, as head coach and assistant head coaches manages the entire uh, uh um, the entire group, all three phases together. And uh, I think if we can do that, we'll be fine. And our mindset as a staff is for us to be aggressive. Um, but more importantly, is for us to work together and try to find a way to get, have a success and, and get a win. That's, that's the goal. So I, I, I don't really care about stats except for the win, you know, and, and then there's a few stats that contribute probably more to the, to that, to, to the win than, than others. And that's those are the ones that we try to work with the most. So, also getting ready for this weekend, um, the balance between wanting to play your best game. You mentioned after the game last week that going into this week, you want your guys giving it their all, and you know this is the week before the bye. You want to put it all out there, but the, at the same time, there's a respect for the game level. How do you balance that as well? No, I, I think I think play your best, and then we'll see what we do as the game goes on. I mean, uh, I think you know, uh, a lot of people know that our our style isn't to try to run up the score on people, and we try to secure the win first and then be respectful of what's going on on the field. I mean, I, that's every week. It doesn't matter if it's uh, Virginia, Utah, or Idaho State. That's what we want to do every week. And, um, you know, some weeks it works better than others. But uh, the, the focus is to go in this game playing uh, our best guys for 60 minutes, you know, and, and that, until we secure the win, that's, that's, that's what our goal is. And that's – I'm expecting our guys to go into this game, empty the tank, because we have a, a bye week next week. And um, you know that's 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 focused. Other than that, uh, that yeah, I don't don't know what else to say. I, I think we've done a good, pretty good job at being respectful when we're when we've secured wins. Honey, uh, uh, A Rod earlier just mentioned uh, in it in that coordinator's corner show that uh, did something that we're going to miss. James James MP uh, is, is MP done for the for the year then? Um, well, I think it will come down to probably he's, uh, I don't know if we can say that yet, Mitch, if that's the, the deal, you know, if he's done for the year yet, there's still a bowl game in mind, but I, I know him, you guys saw him in the game on the sideline. He's on a, a little scooter thing. So, um, I, I, I don't know. I saw, saw, I saw, I've seen some, some comebacks and some guys get healthier than others. So I think he's sitting that window where there's possibly something later down in this year or, or not at all. So I, I don't think we can say he's for sure done for the year. And when you talk about like comebacks, I remember a couple of years ago, you, you played guys like Chris Wilcox and Troy Warner in the final four games. I know back in spring, you'd noted that Micah Harper got an injury could potentially play. Is there an update there on Micah that he could maybe get some run potentially if the opportunity poses itself? Yeah, um, it's just I think his uh, injury comes around that time where we can utilize the four games, but um, at what risk? You know, uh, he's a guy that started for us and has had. Uh, I mean, I, I think you kind of put him in harm's way if you do it too early. And so we'll, we'll be talking with the sports medicine department. And with if you ask Micah, he, he, he'd want to be playing right now. But um, 
I think we're kind of waited out a little bit and see how we go and get some some expert advice on it and and go from there. But the, the kid's a special player. He's a starter for us, and so we want to make sure that he has a bright future and that we don't try to bring him back too early, even though his he wants to play and even though uh, Coach Guilford, myself, and Ian and Ed want him on the field. I don't know if that's the right thing yet. So we're still figuring that out. Lonnie, uh, you've only got three seniors on your roster. It's kind of hard to figure out which guys will be back and what won't. What has your philosophy been? Are you welcoming all the guys back because they can use the COVID year and come back? Or just how are you approaching that and handling that? Yeah, that's a little that's a little different because uh, the COVID year allows uh, many of these guys to come back and play again next year. There's some guys that um, are looking to to just be done um, and move on with life, and then there's other guys that uh, are still figuring it out. So um, a lot of the guys graduate, um, you know, this December and and um, want to move on. But I think we're, we're and then there's some that are just still de- deciding what to do. Uh, I think for us, we'll just um, probably just give them all a, um, I don't know, a, a good, a good goodbye just in case, and then ho- hopefully they come back. So we'll probably there'll be more than the three guys will be recognized. Um, everyone else other than the three are welcome to come back, obviously, you know. But and we'll be discussing what's the best thing for them, and. Uh, yeah, but but I think what we don't want to do is because the last game comes in um, week nine for us, we don't want to all of a sudden they make a decision after week 11 that, that they're done and they want to move on and that we never gave them the proper uh, send off. You know what I mean? So we'll probably give them a good send off and, and just in case and then try to recruit them back to come back again. <laughs> Then I wanted to ask you about Is that answer, Jay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I wanted to ask you about Jaron Hall. How well he's playing. You mentioned he's finally healthy. He's been overshadowed a little bit by Tyler's just phenomenal playing. Um, what can you say about Jaron Hall and just where he's at right now and and hitting his stride really as a as a top notch quarterback. Yeah, you, you mean a, a running back's getting more attention than a quarterback at BYU? When, when did we ever think we'd see that, you know? But uh, uh, Jaron's done a great job. He's humble. He doesn't need attention. Uh, he'll, he'll get it, and he's had it. But I've been really, really pleased with the way that he has handled himself on the field and the decision-making that he's had. I mean, it's hard to, to, to manage that offense, um, and he, he puts us in a, in a great spot, makes the right calls, and he works really well with – with A-Rod and Fessy and, and that staff getting the offense set. And then, you know, he, he also has had the uh, um, he had we had to trust him with his health and, and deciding what was the right thing to do with his legs and, and being able to run. And, and like I said he, he's feeling really, really good now. Last week was where he was close to 100 percent. And um, he can do a lot of things. He can create more space and keep and create more time for him to throw the ball. And, and um, you know, he, he did a good job. I thought he, I mean, no turnovers. That's a, that's a good sign for us too. And so that, that comes of young quarterback, not taking too many chances. I think there are some throws that I know he wish he had back, but um, man, he was, he was on point. And, um, you know, and, and, and we, we kind of, 
made things really difficult for him because we had to we gave him the responsibility of being smart with his own health but then also knowing that Baylor's not 100% cleared yet and there's nothing against Jacob Conover we feel good about him too but uh, you know we, we need to be smart with our offense and I mean, we've had a lot of guys that have been banged up I mean that if you look at it we were, we were missing two starters on O-line this game and I don't think people give give a lot of those other guys that Connor and, and and Campbell stepping in and, and filling in they did a great job so um, yeah, we've, we've had to play with, with some depth and Jaron's done a good job at, at putting all those guys in the right spots. I mean, Gunner didn't play, so you saw a little bit more of Keanu Hill and, and others. And, and um, you know, I, we have some good depth and we some good coaches, and it happens with a bunch of good quarterbacks, too. And, and Jaron's doing a great job. Jake. Yeah, Kalani, building off that just a little bit, I wanted to ask you, in terms of Jaron and his running ability, how much more dangerous does that make your offense when he is able to run it? As you said, you didn't clear him earlier, but once he is cleared and he's able to go, how much more open is your offense with him running it? Well, I mean, it's just it's – just... You look at that football. Look what look at Brandon Armstrong did to us. You know when we were playing man coverage and he took off. I mean he scored he scored on on a run and scrambled and created some space and um, it, it stresses your coverage a little bit more and so um, yeah I, I think any time a quarterback can create more time and space to throw the ball is very dangerous but also any time he can be a threat to run will cause problems and then. Uh, all our quarterbacks can run now. Don't, don't get me wrong. Baylor and, and and Jacob can run too. So don't don't think that those guys aren't athletic. They're just an all athletic group, and um, you know, we feel good. That's part of our game plan. We feel good about all of all of them being able to run the ball. They have to this this day and age. I also wanted to ask you, the tight end position last year was so prolific, in particular Isaac Rex, the 12 touchdowns, what he was doing towards the tail end of last year. His production has gone down this year. Are you worried about that in any way, or is he contributing in other ways? No, he's contributing in other ways and then blocking and, and also running routes. I mean, he's still a target for us and, and, and a lot different. I mean, all, all the tight ends. I think uh, what he and, and Dallin and Mason do uh, for our tight end group, they, they do so many things. Um, if you're just going off of catches, then, uh, you know, when, when a guy catches that many touchdowns last year, it's not like he's a secret anymore, you know. So we, we like throwing to our receivers and our tight ends and our backs and teams are, are starting to cover them. But you know, he had some opportunities in this last game and then just would, couldn't connect on, on some of the, the throws. Um, but he's, he's always a threat. He, he and Dallin and Mason, they, they pose uh, crazy threats to defense because they can block and they're physical. But at the same time, they have soft hands and, and do well in space on the routes. And so that's, you know, we just keep asking them to just keep doing fulfilling their role and then the plays will come. I, I mean, guys will make, make plays and depending on the matchup and what Jaron sees, out there, he'll throw the ball to the guy that, that that's open, go through his, his progression. Hey, let's, uh, we got a question from uh, Jackson Payne. Go ahead, Jackson. Hey, coach. Obviously, both Nakua's and Neil started at receiver against UVA, and it's unconfirmed, but it's possible that that's the first time three Polynesian receivers have started in a college game. Um, just tell us about how you feel about that and especially just with what the Nakua's did against UVA and having them in the program and just the impact that they had. Uh, 
I didn't even think about that. Um, you said that they're, they're the first. Did you say they're the first starters that were Polynesian that played receiver? Yeah, somebody, somebody. There's been some like rumblings on Twitter. It's the first time that three Polynesian receivers started the same game together. Oh, okay. That, I don't. I don't know about. I don't. I don't know about that. I can't. But Isaac Rex is Polynesian too, so. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I can't confirm all that. I just, they just happen to be Polynesian. I, I really, that didn't factor into my mind. I just want guys that can catch the ball, that can block and can, uh, they to do everything, do their role the right way. So, um, pretty cool. I, I don't know. I just, I don't look into those things. I just want to play the right guys. They just had, and, and in terms of Nakua's, I, I love having them on the team. Uh, I love everybody on this team. These guys all bring something unique. Um, Samson's been, pleasure to coach he's just so much energy and it's contagious and he just happened to walk in just now so just trying to just bragging about how how much i love you man how awesome you are so yeah <laughs> no but uh those guys have been awesome they, they, they can and they can play football you know but it, it's just it's just good having them here and, and i think i i mentioned it in, in the press conference last week that uh, you know samson hasn't been 100 percent healthy but you could never tell by his approach to every game, his uh, his uh, energy and how much just the positivity that comes from him, um, whether he whether he's playing or not in that in that game, it just it, it's something that's unique and it, and it our players are feeding off of that and they're becoming more like that and so and that way he's been such a great leader and example to our team and so I that's, love having him here and then he and Puka are doing amazing things together and Puka's the same way those guys just have always smiling the best part of their day you feel like is when they're with you here in the facility um, at practice I think they just carry themselves in such a positive um, uh, optimistic manner that's, that fits right in with what I, I want for this team so it's, it's, it's a great thing to have. There's BYU football coach Kalani Sataki. What is trending? All the headlines next. Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? ready. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag Utah Jazz. We just want to get better. You know, we know that at the end of the day, it's going to be about the playoffs. And uh, we know that, you know, we need in a regular season. You know, with all-style basketball, if it's going to happen, it's not going to translate to playoffs. That's why we try to use all the situations to uh, get better, try to get better, try to play the wide way, try to use our strength. Enjoy the, enjoy the season, enjoy the journey, and use every night to get better. Rudy Gobert's biggest takeaway from the start of the season, it's about the playoffs, PK. Six down, 76 to go. They can get to the stuff that really, the stakes get really high. Well, you need the regular season to be prepared for the playoffs, though, when you think about it, don't you? I, I think you do. Yes. I'm going to ignore that and move on. The Why Sacramento would you ignore Kings. that? I mean, it's just the only thing I can... Re- uh, my estimation of your ignorance and your ignorance is simply a jealousy. Yeah, I like that, your ignorance. <laughs> Yak, I've had it with your ignorance. Quit staring at the computer. Right. Make eye contact over here. That's your problem. Ah. Your problem. <laughs> and, and let's call it like it is the Western Conference friggin' Player of the Week or something like that, isn't it? Yeah, that's what it is, exactly. Yeah. Precisely. Western Conference Player of the Week. That's like giving Corner Canyon another trophy, isn't it? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> you know. What do you get for that? 
Uh, Pat on the back. No, it's NBA. A certificate. $25,000 raise. <laughs> right. <laughs> Pocket change. <laughs> Jazz and the Kings tonight. It's a one-game homestand. Flying through town like it's a road game. Uh, when, when you think about it, all of life is a one-game homestand. <laughs> okay. If you take it that way, you'll find yourself being successful in the playoffs. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Sacramento Kings come in with a three and three record. All three of the wins on the road. So, the road court advantage. Weird. That is uh, things you can't explain. That's like the Lincoln Kennedy thing, the Kennedy Lincoln thing. And you know all the all the things going back and forth. The Kings are three and zero. Three and one on the road. Zero oh. and two at home. Uh, well, Jazz and Warriors, two best teams in the West by record right now, went in and beat them in Sacramento. Mm, it's always tough to go in in Sacramento and win. Big win for the Kings was going into Phoenix this year and getting oh, that one. Oh, yeah, in Phoenix, yeah. At the buzzer, even. Jazz and the Kings tonight, 7 o'clock. Coverage on the Zone Sports Network begins at 6 with Jazz Game Night, the pregame show. Rudy Gay is the only player on the Jazz Injury Report still recovering from heel surgery. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Clippers rally beat the Thunder 99-94 last night. Paul George, a big fourth quarter. He goes for 32 points as the Clippers get off the deck and get the win. couple other fourth quarter rallies and or collapses, depending on how you want to look at it. How about that fourth quarter for Boston, PK? Outscored by Chicago, 39-11. to 11. That's rare in a single quarter, let alone the fourth quarter. You're outscored by 28 points. When I seen that last night, I thought, wow, man. That's a collapse right there. I wonder uh, where that ranks. Some sports bureau should have that somewhere. They <laughs> can get right that's, on that's that. That's amazing to be outscored by 28 in a quarter, especially the fourth quarter. The Clippers' fourth quarter was pretty good on the Thunder. They were down eight and won by five, 33-20. But 39-11, to you're down 14. And you come back and win by 14. Bulls now with the best record in the NBA. They improved to 6-1. and one. And the other big fourth quarter was the Orlando Magic getting Minnesota. 43-19, hammered them in the fourth they won the game 115-97. Denver Nuggets on the road, getting beat in Memphis. Both teams 4-3 and three now. Grizzlies win 106-97. Portland Trailblazers woes continue. Damian Lillard shooting woes continue. He was 2-9 of nine from 3. Finished with 20 points. So did McCollum. Yeah, Philly man. playing without... Embiid. Well, yeah, big deal. They got Niang. They got Niang, and he went off. He had a game. He's finally, I'm finally set free. 20, 21 points, five rebounds. Somebody five who's got faith in me, man. Look at me go. Not the ninth guy uh, coming in off the bench for 12 minutes. I'm a Cadillac now. <laughs> he played 31 minutes. <laughs> Where's my caddy? That's what they're saying in Philly. He had a big game, so did Seth Curry. Seth Curry had 23 in that game. Philly gets a win without Embiid. Good. New Orleans Pelicans forward, Zion Williamson, progressing in his recovery from a fractured right foot. 
He'll be reevaluated in two to three weeks. So what? Uh, he's out for a while. And then when he comes back, he'll get hurt again. This is like just Greg Oden on steroids here. James Wiseman has been cleared to participate in full team practices. He was limited to 39 games last year, meniscus tear. But he's back for practice now. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Kansas City Chiefs get back to 500. They are 4-4 four and four after eking out a 20-17 win over the Giants with a couple of fourth-quarter field goals. Mahomes throws for 275 yards, throws an end zone pick. Kelsey fumbles when they had a drive going and looked like they were about to score. Penalties and turnovers, still a problem for the Chiefs. Good enough to beat the Giants, but the schedule's going to get a lot tougher very quickly here, and they do not look good enough to handle it. We'll see if they can keep improving, but three straight trips to the AFC title game is a good run. They're in trouble right now at 4-4. Look at you pumping up your Chargers. I see what you're doing. Yeah, it's the Raiders. Deserve pumping up. No, you think of the Chargers coming along on the outside, downgrading the Chiefs. You've always had a thing against Andy Reid. <laughs> Broncos and Chiefs, both 4-4. Four and four. Chargers are 4-3, and three, half game in front of them. And then the Raiders lead the division at 5-2. Broncos wave, are trading eight-time Pro Bowl linebacker and defensive end Von Miller. To the Rams, they get a second-round draft pick. They get a third-round draft pick. They're going to pay $9 million of his $9.7 million salary. And he will go to the Rams and try to improve their pass rush. Rams 7-1, and one, pushing their chips to the middle of the table. Go to two draft picks. Yeah. They, want to, they want to win the Super Bowl. They want to do it now. Stafford's no spring chicken. They got it going. Go for it. Well, neither is Vaughn Miller of NFL-wise. True story. Let's see, like 32-ish? Yeah, and his deal was going to be up, so the Broncos were going to pay him the money, so that's what they had to do to get the draft picks. They figured he was out of there anyway. See you later. Goodbye. He was going to go? He was going to leave at the end of the year, I think. Hasta la vista? (laughs) Yes. Russell Wilson had the pin removed from his surgically repaired right middle finger. Key step in his return from the worst injury of his career. Packers coming up on the 14th after their bye week. We'll see if he's cleared for that or if he's going to need another week or two. Also waiting to see if the Saints are going to get Taysom Hill back. Right now, it looks like the odds are good. He's in concussion protocol. Obviously, Jameis Winston is out. ACL and MCL tear. So his season is done. Saints are 5-2. Position themselves uh, nicely here with a good start, but still 10 games to go. If you count them. Titans running back Derrick Henry out indefinitely. Injured right foot. Team signing 36-year-old Adrian Peterson. It's part of their plan to replace Henry's production in the interim. Yeah. Well, Grable looked at him and said, Yo, Adrian. (laughs) He said, Yeah. Next thing you know, boom, they're in the ring together. Titans 6-2, best record in the AFC by half game right now. But that's obviously a massive loss for them. Oh, big time. Certainly, man. DJ, DJ. DJ going on? Right, yeah. Interesting to see what they do, you know, because obviously he's been so good and so integral, and the team knows what they're doing with him running the ball. You wonder how much of it – he's great, there's no doubt about it, but you wonder how much of him is that's the way they play, 
So I don't know that you can necessarily plug and replace to that level, but to what level can you plug and replace? That's something that I'm fascinated to see. And how much more, I mean, is the passing game capable more and they just didn't do it because the running game was so good with him? And so the passing game can pick up some of the slack? Or the passing game was good because of him? It's all play action. Everything's focused on him, and now it's going to be a lot harder to throw the ball. Uh DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. College football playoff rankings will be revealed this evening on ESPN beginning at 5 o'clock. There will be much wringing of hands, PK. Who will get treated right? Who will get the shaft? And to a certain degree, even if they're really good to Alabama, it doesn't matter because if Bama loses to Georgia in the title game with two losses, they'll be out, won't they? Well, there's no shaft to be given now. Too early. This is where our side of the country just has a collective yawn. Because they're going to... Except for enough. possibly Oklahoma, everybody uh, west of the Mississippi is... Well, Oregon still has a shot. We're going to find out tonight they're going to rank them like 10th. Behind everybody, thanks for winning Ohio State. It doesn't matter. Every game matters. Unless the Pac-12 wins on the road. Then blow it off. Mm, yeah, well, it's too early to, to, to draw any conclusions. And the Pac-12 isn't good this year. There's no other way to say it. That's true. But if Oregon doesn't debut well now because the Pac-12 isn't good, because they're going to be beating a lot of three, four, five, six lost teams, are they going to move up? I mean, Ohio State well, has a chance to get move in up. If that's your they got Michigan and Michigan State at the end of their schedule. Win those games, you can move up. Washington Huskies head coach Jimmy Lake on Monday talking about Oregon as a top on field rival, but he doesn't think the rivalry extends the recruiting trail. Well, he brought up academics. We're recruiting against like minded academic teams. Yes. No, we did. What, what University did? of Washington, Notre Dame, Stanford, USC. We go toe-to-toe all the way to the end with those schools. We lose, but we go toe-to-toe. <laughs> In our world, we battle more academically balanced teams. Yeah. You dummies. <laughs> that, that's all well and good. you got to beat Oregon. The fans don't care about your academics. You, you can get your sociology degree all you want. Or you can get your doctorate while you're still an undergrad, which is impossible, but you get the point, undergrad eligibility-wise. But the fans don't really care about that. Land-grant research institution, blah, 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 blah. Show me the W. That's all that matters. I want to stand and cheer while my guy runs into the end zone. We have two distinct sections, and the football fans, who cares what your kids are doing? Just don't don't cheat academically. Really, that's it's cheating now. That's all that matters. Did you cheat academically? Did you break the law? Which is not cheating. I mean, that's an entirely different thing. Don't break the law. Don't cheat academically. And everything else is good. Yeah, all that whole money under the table thing. Now you got the NIL, so that's good to go. We don't and, gonna, and you're recruiting. You're cheating. Uh, as long as you win... I mean, Kansas has been under investigation basketball for like 42 years now. <laughs> They've replaced Arizona, right? <laughs> and what has happened? I'm going to be dead by the time they reach any conclusion to this. And they just had a kid in front of their basketball team get a DUI, and he'll miss a half of practice. And then go on. Some game that they were going to win anyway. And Lake can. He can't say, you know, we're seven and zero or eight and zero or nine and one or whatever. So take a shot at Oregon's academics. Whoop de freaking do. 
You can't say that. They're five and uh, they're uh, four and four. Sorry. They lost to friggin' Montana. Yeah. And they needed a late rally to beat Arizona. Ooh. And Oregon's won 14 of the last 16. They'll be going for 15 of 17 and three in a row in this uh, rivalry now. All right, weird story of the night. Texas special teams coordinator Jeff Banks. Shock the monkey! <laughs> Left his wife for a pole dancer who goes by the stage name Pole Assassin. And True story. Freaking stole my college nickname. Had her pole, pole Assassin. Me, yeah, that ticks me off. Gosh. Yeah, had, her, right? had her emotional support, monkey. A phrase I never thought I'd utter on the radio. Well, you have yours, though, don't you? Nope. <laughs> had her emotional support, monkey, seriously injure a trick-or-treater. The monkey bit a kid. That's where you're supposed to scream, shock the monkey. I already did. It hurt my throat. Okay. <laughs> Can't make this stuff up. No distractions, guys. Hey, love is love. Who am I? You know, I got all my neighbors. Love is love. Love who you want. And now we're going to make fun of Pole Assassin? You're supposed to love who you want. No distractions. Right? Hey, coach. Did his girlfriend's uh, emotional support monkey bite a kid? That's a distraction, man. The whole team's laughing. She took to Twitter to defend herself. Now they've all been deleted. Do not talk about that. Texas A&M, you know they got all the screenshots, right? <laughs> oh, there's probably millions of people have a screenshot now. What did she say? Claiming that he went past the part that he was not supposed to go to, stuck his finger in a cage that he wasn't supposed to even approach, had a do not enter sign, all kinds of stuff. Hmm. We got to get to the bottom of this. I just want to say emotional support, monkey. Go ahead. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Game six. Astros and Braves in Houston tonight. Atlanta going to close it out, PK, or yet another opportunity slips away? I don't know, man. Six o'clock on Fox. Oakland A sent a survey emailed a survey to fans of their AAA affiliate in Las Vegas to gauge whether an MLB team would get support in Southern Nevada. They got enough people there to buy more 50 and $75 tickets to see baseball? Build another stadium? No, you're going to have to win, that's for sure. Football, you can cash in. People following the Raiders... Coming into town for a game here and there. Got people in L.A. and Oakland and Vegas and the visiting team. Man, baseball, 82 games. That's a lot more tickets to sell. Well, 81. if they get Greg Maddox as the president and Bryce Harper as the player. <laughs> uh, anybody with a Vegas tie. Chris Bryant, Joey Gallo. Does Brent Musburger want to call baseball games? 82 years old. That's uh, a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> What is Trending brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Frank Dolce coming up at 8 o'clock. Our Utah football insider analyst for the Zone Sports Network. We'll talk with him at 8. Dylan Cauley. 
former BYU wide receiver at 9 o'clock right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Question of the day. I take your toast. On the way next. Stay with us. It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Aggies take a break from Mountain West Conference play for a trip to New Mexico for a showdown against New Mexico State. Catch all the play-by-play action this Saturday, beginning with the Aggie pregame show at 1. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hot Takes or Toast is brought to you by Utah Facial Plastics. Losing your hair? It's 2021, and you don't have to. UFP Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Just text HAIR to 801-960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment, or visit www.utahairmd.com. Question of the day. Wouldn't it be great if Oregon and BYU could play this season to determine which team is... The best in the West. Darren says, well, you could also throw Fresno State and San Diego State into that. No, you can't. Well, Fresno State already got beat by Oregon, and Fresno State beat San Diego State. So you could say, (laughs) we've already seen those games. It's obvious. Fresno lost to Hawaii. Utah State just drilled Hawaii by 47, despite the Rainbows having the best Thursday morning flight ever to the mainland. Critical to rank those. I'm glad he does. <laughs> Get out of town. Oregon State beat Fresno State. <laughs> then Oregon beat him, not Oregon State, sorry. Oregon got him. All right, so we got this. Uh, Joshua says, hey, they, you, BYU's got to beat USC. Three more weeks before USC. And Oregon has to beat Utah. Three more weeks before Oregon Utah. Yes. Count them down. <laughs> so why are we just picking on BYU right now? Those are the two teams that are the they're the two best teams in the West. Go ahead and argue, buttheads. I freaking <laughs> dare you. <ya>. Buttheads. <laughs> well, it could have gone a little lower, but you know. Hey now. I'm classy. Unlike a high school team in Southern California, we'll get to that in the next break. All right. You wait. It's going to be a doozy. So I'm all about the classy. Nice. I'm nothing if not classy. That would be number seven, Oregon, and number 17, BYU. They are the highest ranked teams from the West. Of course they are. And And to get top 25 teams playing each other would be great. There's only one game this week matching top 25 teams, and CBS took it. It's a big deal. Let's good, do it. Good for you. Set They're it upset, up. Forcing us to watch the friggin' Broncos. They're the two best teams in the West. It's clear. Everyone has to admit it. How could you not admit it? You just have a total biasy, and I hate biasy. <laughs> biasy? Yes. That doesn't even make sense. It do. No, it doesn't. It do too. Heave came a long way. Heave. I like that. It's a contraction of he have, people. Not as in heave the ball into the end zone. I can't believe that quarterback threw it 65 yards in the air. This is heave. He have the contraction. He have came a long way. I miss him. Heave. Oh, nope, not that heave.
No, that's pole assassin. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Shock the monkey. It's too good to be true, really, isn't it? Well, you know what they'll say about those longhorns. Josh's BYU really doesn't benefit from playing Pac-12 teams. They've got the Big 12 championship to play for. They do benefit or don't benefit? Says they do. BYU really does not benefit from playing Pac-12 teams. Talking about, of course they do. That doesn't make any sense. Is this nincompoop Tuesday or what? <laughs> People are trying to dismiss this, and you can't dismiss it. I know. But they want to. You posted it. It must be dismissed. When I bring it... It's because it must be Broughton. He's Broughton. <laughs> and I have. Them's his facts. Let's see how you can argue. They're the two best teams. Deal with it. I can deal with it. Because I'm a cougar, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> Fresno's the only other team out here in these two time zones that's uh, ranked. And Oregon got him 31-24. So we settled that. Now let's see Oregon play BYU. Yeah. I think it would be cool to determine who's the best. Because even if BYU loses to SC in the loss column in the Pac-12, they'll have the exact number of losses that the Utes have, provided the Utes run the table. One. Mm-hmm. Yep. You're carrying that Oregon State loss. Yeah. And maybe, BYU is going to be 4-0 and or 4-1. and And maybe they can win out. They've got a decent chance to win out. Oregon's one of these teams that, during the course of the season, during the course of the games, they can look good or average, somewhere in between. What do you got for me? They're not a consistently great team. They've won a lot of close games, but they haven't won all the close games. And they're going to be held accountable for that tonight, I suspect, when the rankings are released. Yeah, once you have one loss, you are playing into you need help, uh, have this conference lose that, this these teams lose, whatever it might be, beat each other up as, as you see it. I mean, they were discussing, uh, I was watching, uh, well, it was earlier this morning, actually, uh, can the Big Ten be left out of a playoff? Yeah, they can, sure. They have it's been. conceivable. It's I'm, happened. Yeah, can it be this year? Yeah. There's enough quality in that conference that you can get a little bit of a a three-way tie type of thing. I beat you, you beat me, they beat somebody else and all that stuff that creates that. Still a lot of ball left to be decided uh, and possible. I don't think they will, but it's possible. I mean, you have to acknowledge that there's some pretty good teams at the top. And I, I don't have any problem acknowledging that. I mean, you look at some of these budgets, I mean, the, the, what they pay, you know, Mel Tucker... He received an enormous raise to go from Colorado to Michigan State. So you better get what you're paying for. They are. Yeah. So far, so good. Yeah. 8-0 eight, eight with the dramatic win over Michigan. Sent everybody home happy. Got my Michigan State hoodie on as we speak. Had a kid. 
bought it at the campus bookstore. That's fun. So uh, they have an opportunity, but I don't know. It's funny because I don't know that I would consider them the favorite, even though they're undefeated. (gasps) Going to believe in Ohio State until they get that second loss, huh? It's too much history to look otherwise. You know, too much a talent that just flows heavily to the NBA or the NBA, the NFL. That they just produce stars, really impactful players in the NFL. And they just, obviously, it's a pipeline. You know, it's a question of how many are going to get drafted every single draft, not if or who, but how many. Right? So you can't argue that. It's basically, I think that when you've got these superpowers, which is what we've created or has been created in college football, it's basically like our legal system, innocent until proven guilty. These teams are great until proven otherwise. They don't have to prove it. BYU, Utah, you have to prove it. And then you may have to prove it again in the same season. Whereas some of these others, and it's just a handful of them, they don't. They already have the assignment starting with the designation of you're great before the first game. You will see the, the, the way-too-early college football polls will come out in January, and it'll be the same dogs at the top. And it is every year. I think Gonzaga's getting a little bit of that in basketball now. A lot of people are going to pick them number one. Sports Illustrated already has. The other ones will come out, and we'll see that. Right. So they're going to get the benefit of the doubt with them. And that's why one loss Alabama in the media poll is ranked in front of undefeated Oklahoma and undefeated Michigan State, even though Michigan State's got that good win over Michigan. doesn't matter. Bama gets the benefit of the doubt, even though they have a loss. Right. And Ohio State has the benefit of the doubt in front of all the one-loss teams, except for Alabama. And in front of undefeated Wake Forest. You're Ohio State, you're good. There's a handful of teams that have to play play their way out. Most have to to play play their their way way in. Those Um, teams don't. Undefeated Cincinnati has already won at Notre Dame, and Notre Dame's 7-1. But has Cincinnati played its way in yet? No. Will they play their way in with five more wins? I have an excellent chance, yes. I think that because of the fact that there's a Ohio State pedigree there, and it's real close to the campus, so they, you, you can't get everybody. Uh, so you, there's a lot of yeah, football players. There's going to be a residue, yeah, that uh, bumped down south a little bit there. That team down south, and uh, yeah, I think if they keep winning, it's going to be extremely difficult to keep them out. And I want to see them in win. Yeah, I would much rather prefer. Uh, a team on our side, but Fresno beat San Diego the other day, so that get that slapped them with a loss. In a program like that, you get slapped with a loss, forget it, you're out. I don't even know if you would have been in either way, but certainly if you get slapped with a loss, boom, you're done. There's the one-loss no Mountain West team will not make it. No, not no, no one-loss Power 5 team is going to make it. If Cincinnati drops a game to SMU or Houston, and they could play group them both. Group of five, not Power 5. But Excuse yeah. me, yeah. The group of five team, then you're done. It's all over. Right. Right. I would love to see Cincinnati get in. To me, that would be bigger than Utah being the BCS buster. To have, because this playoff now is such a big deal. There's so much focus on it. 
And it was nice when the Utes did it, but it almost seems like that was so long ago that uh, it's like CCNY being good in college basketball. You know, <laughs> CCNY. It's uh, where my mother worked uh, for many years. Yeah, well, the Utes were one of eight teams. Here you'll be one of four teams. This right. is more elite. Right. This and, is a smaller group. And it seems far more improbable to have it be accomplished than what the Utes did. Here, it just seems like, wow, that would be the ultimate breakthrough if it were to happen. And who wouldn't want it? I mean, I'm going to root for the little guy. I've Cincinnati seems like they play every Saturday morning our time. Uh, so you're sitting on the couch. Their game's around. on. Yeah, their game's on. Even yeah. if you're watching another game, there aren't that many games on. So the seems like I've seen them play many times this year. And I have been impressed many times this year. You know, Navy gave them a challenge, so now now we're supposed to knock them because they didn't win convincingly enough. Yeah. I mean, I, I hate that. They, I know they, that's where we're at. Because the Tulane them. game was close in the second quarter. I'll stop it. That, but that's yeah. where we're at with those guys. They, they have to prove it and keep repeatedly proving it. They basically have to prove it every week. Whereas Ohio State has already given the designation of you've already proved it. Now play your way out of it. True that's, story. Meanwhile, Cincinnati won by double digits on the road at a one-loss top-10 team. They gave that top team their only loss. So if you want Cincinnati in, root for Notre Dame every week so that win doesn't get devalued. Because they, they beat them 24-13. And I don't think it should be devalued. I think it should be placed with extreme high emphasis. That is a big-time quality win any way you slice it, no matter what is going to happen going forward with the Irish. And the Irish are a decent team. I mean, maybe, maybe this isn't their best team, what have you. But they're obviously a decent team. And going into Notre Dame is a very difficult task to me. And that's because of bias as a kid. That is, that's the holy grail is the campus, uh, Notre Dame, and the football stadium. That's, I've been to many different places throughout this country, fortunate enough for work. And that, to me, is the most special. I took my parents there to have them see that before, obviously, before they passed. It would be quite the story if I took them after, but I did take <laughs> them before. But time, the point being, time was running out on them, and I wanted to get that done. I paid for them. They didn't ever have any money. I took my parents on vacation. Not the other way, where my parents took me on vacation. No, I took them. I paid for the whole damn thing. Maui, baby! <laughs> oh, they paid for their flights. Oh, they did? Yeah. Yeah, that... Maui and South Bend... South Bend, I popped. And up the coast to Santa Barbara in a convertible. Those are the three good stories you've told. If there's another one, I don't know it. Those are three good trips, though. Up to- uh, I, took, I, I took them to Heber Valley. In the winter for the ice castles? No. In the summer for golf? No, I actually go up to eat. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, actually two months before my father passed. My mother was already gone. My sister drove him up. Took about 10 hours because he was well in his 80s at that point. And the bathroom breaks were frequent. (laughs) (laughs) Got a town every 45 minutes or so. Uh, I think there was a few side of the roads. (laughs) Whatever works. (laughs) From what I understand. Wouldn't want to be a hypocrite in that area. And then. Great outdoors. (laughs) And then I rented a uh, Suburban and we drove up to Bear Lake. And I'm probably going to cry, so I probably shouldn't have said this. 
But uh, I put Sinatra on, and we screamed it, my father and I. He had memory issues. Not too bad, though, compared to some. But he had some memory issues. Like he asked my wife uh, about me, and he was referencing me as her brother. That was sad. But when I played Sinatra... After uh, we got on the freeway and we it all drove, came back, we drove up through Utah State or uh, through Logan, and oh yeah, uh, start spreading the news. Fly me to the moon. In other words, yeah, he was singing at the top of his lungs. And then we hung out at Bear Lake for a little bit, and then we came back through uh, Wyoming. Had to show him Wyoming Downs. Nice. <laughs> there it is in all its glory. <laughs> yeah. I looked over to the side of the freeway. There it is. Yeah. 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 So not exactly Del Mar, but you know, and, no, more uh, Churchill Downs for that matter. Uh, but he was a big Notre Dame fan, so for me, I have that bias of Notre Dame being a special place, and it was and still is a special place as far as I'm concerned. So Cincinnati going in there and winning, yes, you, you, I don't discredit that. I, there's no way. That's what really bugs me when these very good programs, and BYU has been in this case several times. I think Utah has graduated. They're beyond that because those programs that the other team then has to win and win big or somehow that discredits you. That, that sort of drives me nuts. All you can do is go into the place and beat team whoever it is. The Bearcats do that. They go into South Bend. They win the ball game. Now, if Notre Dame struggles to beat whomever, North Carolina State or whoever it might be, see, Cincinnati, you're not that good. That seems so bogus to me. And that's college football. <laughs> it's just the way it is. And it's the big turnoff. Yeah. Wake Forest runs the table in the ACC. They going to let them in? That's where it comes down to. The Big Ten champ will get in. The SEC champ will get in. No, because Clemson isn't good this year compared to Clemson standards. So Wake Forest wins every game. You're not good enough. No, because Wake because Clemson isn't good enough this year. That's weak. You got a 14 playoff. I thought all the undefeateds would be in. Why? Because you don't usually have that many undefeated. Yeah, but see, you're But so, they're going to take care of one loss teams. You're pure. I am. Thank you. And I'm you glad you brought that up. As, well, it's never been in doubt. Oh, sure it has. Uh, not to those folks who are in their cars right now. To, <laughs> to Yak and I, it has been. Oh, okay. That's but the difference. My bad. To that's Scotty, to Jake Scott, to Hans. Yeah. I mean, and now the new guys in the afternoon, they'll learn. No, I'm sure Scott Mitchell knows. You're He's savvy. Impurity. Uh, <laughs> but them out there, they think you are. <laughs> and so <laughs> you have to understand college football and the playoff is a TV show. Yeah, there it is. So let's bring in Ohio State and Alabama. Right, because it is designed for the television stations and networks who own the rights to all that stuff to get the most money that they can. So it's not first and foremost and athletic endeavor. <laughs> it isn't. ESPN's over here. <clears throat> Wake we Forest? Would lo- we would like to think it is, but Wake Forest? Come on, man. Outside of Tim Duncan and Chris Paul, what can you do? And of course, we know Rusty LaRue, but other than those guys. Nice. Good pull. That was good. <laughs> Who kn- knows anything about Wake Forest? Random jazz dude from 20 years ago. <laughs> For nice. some reason, I knew he played at Wake Forest. Nice. That's my sick brain. 
But other than that, what do you know? You don't know jack about anything else that they've ever done. So they're not a big enough name. So TV folks don't want them. That Those are facts. They can't ever say it. But it is a TV show. It is not a pure athletic competition. The college football is not, nor I'm not sure it'll ever be that way for that matter. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. Frank Dolce, you the insider, coming up at the top of the hour. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It's a Friday night edition of Utah football as the Utes hit the road to square off against David Shaw and the Stanford Cardinal in a key Pac-12 battle. Catch the Ute pregame show Friday night with a postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of Ute football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Football Fridays are presented by Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. So I got a freaking story This is absolutely appalling. Just shocking. When I first seen this, as they say up here, I thought, you got to be kidding me. I actually thought it was a basketball story. Well, I'm glad you brought it to the show. Yes. So there's two high schools in the city of Inglewood, the city of champions. Inglewood High School. And Morningside. Yes. Morningside is uh, Byron Scott went there, Eldon Campbell, Lisa Leslie. Uh, once scored, I was working a desk shift, the Daily Breeze, and uh, the coaches would call in as they do. Here, I assume, I don't know how they get it anymore, but uh, back in the day, you'd call in the score, and Lisa won game, famous, famous lady basketball player, obviously, uh, scored like 106 points in one game. I remember taking work in the desk, and I didn't take the call, but it became a big deal, and instead of giving a little thing that we would do in a roundup, we bumped it up to the uh, front page. Smart move. Uh, so there's two two high schools, Inglewood and Morningside, right? And that's where the LA Forum is, and that's where the new football stadium is. It's off the 405 there. And uh, so they were playing in the uh, last game of the regular season, I think it was, Inglewood versus Morningside in football. After the first quarter, Inglewood, whose quarterback, Justin Martin, just committed to UC Los Angeles. Justin Martin, keeping the, remember that name for down the line. We'll see how it pans out. And so, obviously, he's pretty good. To uh, they commit to the to go play for well, Chip Kelly's still there, but anyway. So after the first quarter, Inglewood leads fifty nine to zero, eight touchdowns and a field goal in a twelve minute quarter. Yeah. Final score. This is the Lisa Leslie reference because I think it was the exact same number. Englewood, Morningside has zero. And if you would have taken or given Morningside 105 points, you would have won. Because the final score was 106 to zero. So they called off the dogs, kind of, sort of. They're up 104 to nothing. They went for two. They go for friggin' Two. Martin 
threw 13 touchdown passes. They're 104 to zero, and you go for two. Classless. Oh my goodness. Morningside coach Brian Collins said they're classless. Their entire organization. I hate everything about them. Nice. They're fans. <laughs> Hold on. What? Where have I heard this before? <laughs> he did say it's it was a classless move. Morningside coach Brian Max Collins said Saturday. Unfreaking believable. Now Inglewood has seven players who've committed to play college football. Each and every one of them, as Kyle Woodingham would say, he loves the each and every. He does. Are all transfers. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Recruited themselves a nice little uh, JC football team. If I'm the other team, I'm freaking furious. That has to be the worst move of sportsmanship that I've ever, ever heard of. In my backyard. I've been to both of these schools. The Inglewood Unified School District, which oversees both schools. Yes, it does. Quote, saddened beyond words by the events. Yeah. The district provi- promises a full investigation. Did you go for two? Oh, yeah, it's on the game phone. Okay, investigation complete. What are you <laughs> doing? Complete. Come on. And Collins, he's a new coach. So he met the team first week of the season, the, the, a couple days leading into the season. So he responds with, for Inglewood, go play St. John Bosco and Modern Day. Nice! Now those are two powerhouses in that area, St. John Bosco and the Long Beach area. Modern Day has sent a lot of quarterbacks to USC, not to mention a lot of other players. Yeah, I, I would need a program to look it up. Yeah. I mean, I can't remember them all. Uh, yeah, that that is just awful. The coach, Inglewood coach, USA Today, reached out to the coach, Mill Vaughn, capital M I L apostrophe capital V O N James. Typical. Have you ever met anybody with the last name James who has class outside of Paul? I know I haven't. Way to rescue Paul there at the last second. That was good. Paul was a very classy man. I was honored. Uncle Paul's a legend, okay? Paul James nominated me to receive the Wooden Award vote in the state of Utah. And I, I literally was honored that he thought enough of me to recommend me to take that over. And this is obviously going back many, many years. And that I voted on all that stuff, but that's the only one that I've maintained. Because Paul James recommended me. So, yeah, you never, you didn't even want me to be hired, let alone recommend me for anything. Not quite true, but okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, you could say I could, I could, I could have a part time producer job. You're right. Uh, but th- th- this is just atrocious, man. Up 104 to nothing, and you go for two. So, Milvon James. Doesn't say I'd have to click on the Daily Breeze because I'm sure they're all over it because those two schools are in the circulation area. Uh, and I'm looking at the USA Today piece. James coached at another Los Angeles high school but was fired after the 2016 season for using ineligible players. 
This is disgusting. Just to give you an idea, well, I think Morningside and, and Inglewood are maybe three miles apart. Mm-hmm. The Lakers, this is how how ancient it was just a while ago in the 80s. The Lakers practiced at Inglewood. If you wanted to go get interviews with the Lakers, you had to stand outside the road there in Inglewood until they opened the gym. And they, play, they practiced at Inglewood High School. Times have changed, PK. <laughs> Times have changed. We're only going back. This is in the 90s now. This is not that. I mean, Magic Johnson was there, right? <laughs> That's where they would practice because it was close to uh, the form, uh, right, right down the street. And yeah, dude, now dude, everybody's got practice uh, yeah. complexes in their arena or on a separate piece of real estate. Yeah, like yeah. Jazz. And they have guarded the sons gates. are in their arena, right? I think they built Underneath. it underneath. Although they, I think they, they, they uh, bought a thing off. off Offside, offside, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that's. Uh, I, I can't believe that, and that's just completely and totally unacceptable. How could you possibly do that? Why would you think that's a good idea? I want more details. How did they get to fifty nine in the first quarter? Must be pick sixes and kickoff returns or punt returns. The only thing I could think is uh, they were playing BYU-like defense in the first quarter. Their quarterback threw 13 touchdown passes. And he's committed to play for Chip Kelly. Yep, UCLA. Uh, It's just shocking. If you have a, I was going to say a better example of poor sportsmanship, but it actually would be worse, I would love to hear it. It would have to be awful. All right, DJ and PK, Frank Dolce is coming up next. Our Ute Insider, and we'll be talking BYU football coming up at 9 o'clock with Dylan Colley. Yak, what do you want to give away at 830? Well, I just got the word from Scott Gerard. We're giving away a pair of jazz tickets at both 830 and 930 this morning. All right. Tonight's game. Stay tuned for that. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to welcome in our Utah football insider, Frank Dolce. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. Frank, Good morning. Good morning, DJ. Good morning, PK. Hello. You know, Frank, I got an right off the top of the bat, uh, show here, uh, interview, I should say. You always hear that, uh, take what the defense gives you. Well, if I'm a defensive corner, I don't give them anything. <laughs> yes. Yes, it's a, uh, it is an awkward phrase in, uh, in athletics. I, I don't know of one defensive, uh, well, I mean... <laughs> I guess if I guess you could say, like, um, if you're playing, let's just say, for example, you're playing Oregon State, and you know Oregon State runs the ball pretty well, then you're going to do everything you can do to stop the the run. You're going to, you know, load the box and put a bunch of people at the line of scrimmage, and you're going to be you're going to be difficult to run against, but you're going to give up the pass. You're going to sacrifice the passing game and say, we're not going to let you run, but if you beat us with the pass, then, you know, okay, we'll, we'll have to live with that. We're going to sell out against the run. So maybe 
you can make an argument that the defense is giving the pass in order to stop the uh, Oregon State's most important phase. Yeah, but then that would tick me off. You're telling me that you don't think we're good enough to run the ball against you? (laughs) I'll show you! (laughs) Yes. Well, yeah, I'm generally, I don't think a defense is in a position to want to give anything to an offense. Exactly, precisely. I've always wondered that, and you're the football expert, not me. And yet, despite the fact they don't want to give anything, Kyle Whittingham at his weekly press conference brought up the fact that Utah's now got a string of four straight games where the offense has piled up at least 450 yards of total offense, in some cases a few more than that, obviously. Are you beginning to think of Utah as an offensive juggernaut now capable of both running and passing the ball? Well, it is a it is a very balanced attack. I I know that you know we've we've all been through these Utah football teams in the Coach Whittingham era where you just didn't have any faith in one phase of the game. Mostly, it's the passing game on the offensive side, and you just had to rely on even even and everybody knew it. You had to rely on the run game even in the face of an eight-man or nine-man box, I mean, pe- people would just load up against Utah in the run game, and, and Utah still figured out a way to run the football. And, um, and, and so those were, you know, those were interesting times to, to watch games. But it feels like now there, this is a much more balanced, uh, much more creative. It's easy to be creative, I guess, when you have this kind of balance, but much more creative offensive football team for Utah and several times in in critical situations Utah like like third down situations fourth down situations Utah's been able to convert and pick up first downs not only with the running game but by utilizing the passing game and not just like throwing a screen pass or throwing the ball to the to a running back out of the backfield, but going downfield to a tight end or to a wide receiver to convert on those in those scenarios. So, I would say this this Utah offense this year has evolved into a very balanced attack, a, 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 an offensive attack that you could say you could rely on both phases, the pass and the run. I have absolutely no doubt for multitude of reasons. One is that Utah's emerging, and the other is the division stinks. That my doubt is, I'm doubtless, basically, that Utah is going to win the South. I have zero doubt on this. I would bet everything that DJ owns that they're going to win the South. And that's a lot <laughs> of stuff to bet. Wow. I don't know how you put. I don't know how you take an accounting of all that stuff. I mean, exactly. That's a lot I mean, of I, stuff. yeah. I started two years ago, and I'm halfway done. Yeah. Well, you should hire a professional. Exactly. Yeah. That's precisely. A, Plus, he's all the stuff he's got, like in shoe boxes up in the attic. I mean, come on. He keeps stuff from the government too. Yeah. He does feel <laughs> like a conspiracy sort of guy to me. No comment. <laughs> well. Uh, I, you know, I think Utah's in a very good position in the South. There's no question about it. And if Utah plays to their potential, like we saw, you know, kind of against USC and a half against Washington State and 
and kind of a half against Oregon State and, you know, pretty good game against UCLA. If, if Utah plays up to their potential when we've seen them be, be really good, then I, I, I think they're very that's – a, that's a tough out. Like, I think they can go through the rest of the schedule and, and not get beaten. Uh, but we, you know, it's it is still you know it's why you play the games, I guess. They, there's there still is a team that's shown a tendency at times to not be very good at the line of scrimmage, to be loose with the football, and and if those things occur, then you know Utah's going to put themselves in in a difficult situation. So I I oh the the other thing i hate i hate mentioning this other thing and so i'm just going to kind of graze over it but it, you know you, the the team has to stay healthy especially at key in you know in key position groups they're already they're already thin at the offensive line and you know um that's a that's a position group that just is going to have to stay as healthy as possible through the rest of the season and um you know i think they're i think they're thin significantly thin and experience at the quarterback position. So when, when you talk about depth, so health is going to be a, a major consideration, I think, going through the rest of the year. But if Utah stays healthy, if they play up to their potential, then I think they come out of the South as well. I think they come out right on top in the South. Well, they ought to come out on top of the South because Arizona's got a massive losing streak and Colorado has only beaten Arizona and won their money game. And that leaves a Stanford team that gives up 200 yards a game to everybody who wants to run the ball. I mean, they don't give up 200 yards to USC and to Washington State because they don't want to run the ball. But SC still ran for 185 yards. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out, aside from the turnovers, how Utah could screw up this game. And you turn it over four times, you can lose to anybody. Yeah. So that's there. Yeah. But aside from that, everybody's running for 200 yards on Stanford if they just try. And Utah's obviously going to try. Yes. Well, I mean, didn't didn't we just see uh, Arizona State do that? Like we we thought Arizona State was going to be a pretty good football team, and then all of a sudden, they're did they have four or five turnovers in that game? I mean, they're, they're which which quarter? <laughs> yeah, that's just the thing. That is exactly the thing. I mean, you you go into these football games, and. Um, and if all goes right, if all goes well, then you know you should you shouldn't have a problem. You shouldn't you should come out on top. And then, and then three, three turnovers later, four turnovers later, you're on the wrong side of it. So, you know, I don't I don't see that. I don't expect that to happen. I don't see that happening. But it sure seems to come out at odd times in the, in the football season, especially in the in the Pac-12. So. I I I'm with you. Like I I'm I'm I have high expectations of Utah football right now, based on the, what they've done, especially on the offensive side. Uh, I still am curious about you know if a team really wants to line up and try and run the ball against Utah, how what kind of success they're going to have. So so that's the, that's something to consider. But I th- this is a football team that that. Has a legitimate shot going through the rest of the year without taking a loss, going you know winning the South, going into the championship game. There's I don't think there's any question about that. The only question is if they can maintain this high level of play um, on a regular basis. I mean, they, you might have a bad quarter, a bad series, whatever here and there. If they can ma- maintain possession of the football and 
most importantly, if they can stay healthy. I think that's I think that's a real critical issue. I dare you to refute the following statement: Cam Rising is the best quarterback in a Pac-12. Let me. I'm thinking over all of the quarterbacks in the Pac-12. Well, we know he's better so, than Charlie Brewer. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, I would put him right at the top. I mean, I think there are guys who have high potential in the Pac-12. I like Garbers. Uh, I like both Garbers. That you know, that's interesting. I like both Garbers. I like the Garbers at Cal. I think he's. I think he's very good. Although he's been you know, a roller coaster ride this year. But I think he, his upside's very good. I like the Garbers we just saw at UCLA. In fact, I might even make the argument that in some ways that UCLA offense is more efficient with Garbers <laughs> at the quarterback position. So um, I, I like Dorian Thompson-Robinson. I think he's, you know, he's very athletic. He does a lot of things really well, and he's, you know, he's a he's a – He's a tough guy. Uh, I've never been high on him w- winning a lot of football games, like being able to rely on him to win a lot of football games. So I, I don't put, I wouldn't put him even healthy at the top. Um, Jaden Daniels, uh, I think he has. I, I think I'd put him kind of in the same class as Thompson Robinson. Uh, Brown at Oregon is a same kind of guy, like. High, very high potential, but um, it it's streaky. Um, so as I'm looking at the kid at Stanford, I think he's above average. Too young. I think he's he's young. Yeah, I think he's above average. Uh, as I yeah, as I guess as I look across, the, you know, at the uh, the the kid Nolan at uh, Oregon State. What about Jaden um, Delora yeah. at Washington State? That's what we're building up to. And Jaden Delora, he's he was the last guy I was going to get to, but I think Jaden Delora is probably the the top, um, and he seems to become become has become more consistent. So I think I would put those two those two guys, Delora <laughs> and Cam Rising, as my one and two in the in the Pac-12 right now. Cam Rising has been super. I think he's been super consistent. Wow, he's Very rising up the rankings. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. Yes, he is. And and I don't like. There have been people who are talking about like, well, he's a, you know he's a game manager and he only completes only threw the ball twenty something times against UCLA and this and that. And I don't I don't buy into any of that stuff. I mean, efficiency is efficiency at the quarterback position. And Utah did have the run game going, and so they should lean on the running game. And then they just used the passing game perfectly to keep UCLA off balance. So, I mean, I don't think a quarterback has to throw the ball 35 times a game um, in order to be considered a top-tier quarterback. If your quarterback is completing 65-plus percent of his passes, no turnovers, moving the ball downfield – and utilizing a great running game, I don't know why you wouldn't put that quarterback right on. I mean, that's a, to me, that's kind of exactly the guy you want. Is that guy who's going to make those kinds of plays and be very consistent. You got any doubts about the defense now? Yeah. I mean, I like this. I like this defense. And at times, I think the defense is real, has been really, really good. 
but there are times when you just scratch your head. Like, Utah knew what they had to do defensively against Oregon State. Everybody knows what you have to do defensively against Oregon State. And so you knew that. You practiced for it. You prepared for it. Everybody had their assignments. And then you went into the game, and then you just couldn't do it. So that's, I think that's a concern. And uh, I, I think, to me, that is, is more of not, like not a physical ability issue. Um, it was more of an issue of experience, like being able to go back into your bag of game experience and figure out how to turn the tide on a team that is just beating you up at the line of scrimmage. And that's what happened with Utah against Oregon State. They got beaten up at the line of scrimmage in the run game. And so, you know, a more experienced team might be able to, to say, wait a second, wait a second, if, we, if, I'm, if I can do this, if I can just do this, then I can, I can stop the bleeding. But they never, you know, they, they never were able to do that. And so with a team that's very talented but at times has, you know, eight underclassmen, mostly freshmen, on the field, I think that experience is a big factor. So the Oregon State game was good, like, in, in terms of gaining that experience. I think Utah utilized that against UCLA. Uh, and we'll see how they how they go through the rest of the season, but I, I yeah I I mean we're only we're only two weeks out from a from a ground attack at Oregon State that was overwhelming, and so has you has Utah corrected all those issues in the run game? Maybe hopefully are the you know the the other thing is they're not going to face another running team like like uh, Oregon State and maybe UCLA was going to be as close as they were going to get and they handled that pretty well so. But yeah, I still I still think there are question marks about this Utah football team defensively. He's Frank Dolce. You want to tell him about the uh, disaster in high school football down there? That's his old uh, neighborhood. He, he'd Wait, be appalled by this. You don't need to tell me about it. Of course, I followed up on all of that. I I follow up on all of that stuff. So yeah, Inglewood, <laughs> Morningside. I mean. We, we we know that we know that area PK and yeah. that's a that's a that's a bitter rivalry and um and you know back back when I was growing up in that area um Inglewood Morningside always super talented teams they could never really figure out how to get on track like they they were competitive but didn't necessarily rise to the playoff level in those years, but that, that is, that, those are, those are guys that super, super talented football teams, always super talented football teams. It's a little distressing that, you know, well, the way that game turned out, I mean, that's just, that's ridiculous. Listen, the chart says when you're up by 104 points, you're supposed to go for two. You got to do what the chart says. (laughs) Remember, remember, I mean, the only analogy I have with that with Utah football is when the chart said that you should onside kick against Wyoming. When you're up by 43. <laughs> and the response, the response from, was it Cowboy Joe? I mean, that hey, was Hey, everybody classic. wants to be ranked number one. <laughs> classic, yes. So, you know, regardless of what the chart says, but I think it's even more kind of distressing, like, that you have, six, what is it, six or seven of those players on the Inglewood football team are are not, 
from the school boundaries. Yeah, like, it said seven that have gone on to that are that have already made commitments to play uh, college football. That, that's just disgraceful. Yeah. Um, they, yeah, like what is this? Is it IMG now? <laughs> IMG SoCal? What is going? What's going on here? That's that seems. If I was that Morningside, I wouldn't have lined up to play defense. I don't think they did. I would, but I would have just at the line of scrimmage. <laughs> I would have put all my guys to the far left. Yeah. Just in front. If you want two points, here, have it. Yeah, yeah. If you really need, if you really want that two points, yeah. here you go. You can have it. That's I. I just that's that doesn't to me. That just doesn't speak to what. Athletics. I know athletics is funny these days, kind of really funny these days, but there still should be this core, this foundational stuff about athletics and fair play and, you know, um, being able to go in, in into a competitive atmosphere like that, play a game, play your heart out, and still, you know, congratulate the other team, shake hands after the game and go on your way and sportsmanship and all that stuff. All of those good things, all of the lessons that you want to teach your kids that you say, you know, these are lessons you can you learn on the field that you can't learn in the classroom. All of that stuff just goes out the window when some knucklehead has, you know, goes through an experience like this. It just doesn't it doesn't it doesn't live up to what athletics and what sports should be and should be all about. Yep. Frank, thanks for the time. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Man, it's always great to talk to you guys. Looking forward to it. Have a great weekend. Frank Dolce, you insider and analyst for the Zone Sports Network. Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver, coming up at 9 o'clock. And we got tickets to see the Jazz and the Kings tonight. Game tips at 7 o'clock. We're giving away tickets at 8.30, right on the other side of this break. And again at 9.30, right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. How broken is the Pac-12? Is it broken or is it just bent right now? I think it's bent. It's got a problem where you just can't get somebody to elevate. Look like it was going to be Oregon. It's not. Look like at times it could be Utah. It's not. If the season ended right now, there isn't a single Pac-12 team I would make an argument for to put them into the college football playoffs. Like, I love watching Pac-12 games because you never know what's going to happen and games go down to the wire and it's entertaining. But boy, is it bad for business in terms of George Kolokov in the conference office going, oh my gosh, we're going to screw ourselves out of another opportunity in the college football playoff. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. The Jazz and the Kings are playing tonight, 7 o'clock. We got tickets now and again at 9.30. Be caller 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. And win tickets to see the Jazz and the Kings tonight. Sacramento coming in at 500. They're 3-3. Three 3-1 and three. Three and one on the road this year. Just beating in Dallas. Easy win. Easy W. Yeah. Easy W is as far as the eye can see. I don't know. I don't look at the schedule, so I don't know. Going off to Atlanta, Orlando, and Miami. Not in that order. Back out on the road starting Thursday. Yeah, it's good to get that one out of the way early. Seem they always do that early in the season. Uh, Atlanta can be tough. 
And Miami can be tough too. Yeah, Miami's so. off to a good start. Uh, so uh, I, I I can't forecast those games. Who knows who's going to be available and whatever. But as far as tonight, yeah, I'm expecting. Ought to be a them. W. Right, beat these teams. They all add up the same. Take take care of the business that you're able to take care of with. I don't want to say ease, but I guess it would be relative ease. As far as that goes. I mean, Sacramento, I don't think they're dog meat, no. I think they've got some players that I like. I mean, this Mitchell kid the other day was really fierce uh, in guarding Mitchell, our Mitchell. Right? Yeah. I mean, he's got a rep now, so young guys are going to come after him and see what they can do. If I were Sacramento, I would let it play out a little bit. Instead of changing coaches again, it's like what Walton's third or fourth year, so it's time in Sacramento. They get the uh, trigger finger there <laughs> to, to pull it and, and start over again for the forty-first time or whatever it might be. Uh, so it looks like they've got a little bit of a nucleus. The Bagley thing has been an embarrassment. They take him second and now; he's getting a bunch of DMPs. I mean, that's shocking to just be three years removed from the draft, and the number two pick is. Boy, you better be going eighty-two and zero, or you really sucked in your evaluation of him. You just can't blow that pick. My gosh, that's way too high. But yet it happens, and it's not all that unusual that there are picks that are very high. Number the number one pick has been blown more than once. It's probably a little bit unusual. At least not even a rotational player. That's shocking. To see someone who literally would only be a senior in college. And you whiffed. If he played in the 60s, he'd be going up against Lou Alcindor. <laughs> <laughs> Lou Alcindor played four years in college. Uh, shocking. They all did back then, obviously. And most of them anyway. And so you blew that. Wow, that that's just that's a major setback. Particularly when Doncic was available. And he was being debated as the number one pick. At, at least just go with the public pressure. Okay, if he's debated at number one pick and Phoenix goes with the bigger guy in Aiden, well, we'll just take the, take him number two then. <laughs> Seems logical. Because then, well, you can't blame us. Everybody said he should have been the number one. So we figured, what the heck, take him at number two. But they didn't even take him at number two. And he gift trapped him for Dallas. Yeah. I mean, as good as Doncic is, and he's awesome, at best... He could be the second best player drafted third ever in the history of the NBA. Michael Jordan. <laughs> best number three pick ever, and that's not changing anytime soon. But Doncic is a really good pick at three. You know, a superstar, bona fide superstar already at such a young, young age. And and Sacramento blew that. And it's not like Dallas is winning a whole lot with Doncic. Uh, they, they seem that some of these teams is just it'd be interesting because you know I'm, I'm looking and seeing Portland and we, we always have on the television on the ESPN where old Steve Smith is running his mouth about whatever and I don't say that negatively he's my hero and um, but one of the things they were discussing should Damian Lillard force a trade to the 76ers and obviously they got the Simmons thing going on there and see what happens and the point I'm making is you can be consistently bad, which Sacramento has 
for several years, right? Undeniable. You can't argue. Second yeah. longest streak of not going to the playoffs in pro sports. Longest in the NBA at 15 years. It's unbelievable. Second only to the Seattle Mariners. Amazing. That's yeah. a really, really bad list to be on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think baseball's tougher because they just have more numbers. And with they don't have as many teams in. There you go. So there's multiple. In yeah. yeah. um, basketball, with just a f- one or two players can make a significant difference. You take a look at Dallas. They've been in the playoffs every time, largely because of Doncic. But at the same time, you take, like, the reason why I brought up uh, Lillard is you bring up Portland. And I swear, Portland and now Dallas, every morning, they're... Alarms wake up to Sonny and Sure, I Got You, Babe, in the famous lines from Groundhog Day. Because I look at both of these teams, they're better than Dallas, but in a sense, they're like Dallas in that you've got a Hall of Fame player. I don't think anybody would deny Lillard and Doncic are on the track to go, but you're going nowhere. They're going to the Hall of Fame. But you as a team and a franchise you're, right now, you're, you're going stuck. nowhere. You're stuck as a first round out. How do you get top four, win a playoff series? Maybe set yourself up to win two. And it's tough because the West is good, but nonetheless, you got a Hall of Fame player. I mean, Jazz fans have felt that frustration. You think the team is good. You look at the win total. They look like they're good, but they go out in the first round. And it gets frustrating year after year. Yeah, but I, How I, do you don't, win I don't think series? the Jazz have been in that situation now for a while. Not... Well, because they have, they had the back-to-back first-round losses. But they had, but the dude was young, and even Gobert, the dude I'm talking about, Donnie Basketball, and then getting into good movie lines, Gobert. They were young. (laughs) The dude abides, right? They were. You knew that. All right, we're just getting started. Doncic is young. Granted, he's definitely young. Lillard is not young NBA wise, right? But where are they going? As far as we know where they want to go, Everybody but needs, it doesn't look like they're going to get right. there. Everybody needs players around them. So what do you do? As frustrating as it was last summer, and it was, to see the Jazz go out like that, up 2-0, you know, you're looking like you got a great shot to go yeah. to the conference final. And Kawhi Leonard gets hurt. Yeah, and then Leonard gets hurt. I remember we were sitting here in the morning thinking, oh, man, this is done now, and then they don't get it done. Uh Maybe maybe I'm looking at it through a little rose-colored glasses, but I see like they haven't tapped out on where they are. Where I look at Portland and Dallas, seems to me they've tapped out this group. And is that just a is that a crummy position to be in? Because what do you sell? Hope. Where's no the way. hope though? Yeah, I know. And that is what pro sports, one team gets to sell the championship. Even college. I and everybody else is selling hope. But I mean, and so if you I, think, peaked, I think college too. If you peaked and you're going down the other side of the mountain. But I don't know that these teams. Yeah, I think you're right about college. You know, college football is big time and you are selling hope. And, yeah. and that's probably why Patterson is out. He's not out for the 20 years of accomplishments. They're great. But the Rose Bowl's in the rearview mirror. It's three and a half seasons of 500 football. They're not feeling the hope. So you change the coach. And I guess, I guess I can understand that more in a collegiate level than I can at the pro level. Cause, and and Cause Portland it, did change the coach. And yeah. Dallas did too, for that matter. They both did. 
<clears throat> right? Kid and uh, Chauncey yes. Billups. Yep. Ex players taking over. But where are they going? I, I just I don't see. Dallas looks like they need a big personnel move. Portland, I don't think there's a big personnel move possible. It doesn't seem obvious. I don't know. They're talking about this morning. Should he go to the 76ers? Do you shake it up? Do you let him go? Well, you start over. I mean, nobody wants to say that in Portland, but if you move Damian Lillard, you're starting over. But maybe it's time to start over. He's not at the end, but he's close enough to the end. You don't have that much time to make moves. There are no obvious moves. You hesitate a couple more years, he will be at the end. A six-foot guard, okay, he's going to be good in the early 30s, but you know Memphis had to shake it up, right? And this is why Conley ends up in Utah. They weren't going any further. Now, if you put good players around Mike Conley, you put Rudy Gobert behind him and Donovan Mitchell next to him, Conley can do good things. The only game they lost this year is when Conley didn't play. I mean, Conley's obviously having an impact, but you can't put him in Memphis and say, you're the guy, do it. That's not realistic. No, but, six I, but, I, but, in his I, but I don't think Conley compares to Lillard, though. Agreed. I'll, I'll go with you there, but is Lillard going to take them any farther than he already has? Can he even get them back to where they were in a conference final, the way the West is stacked? Not right now. Well, that's the and same he's thing. 30, that he's thirty-one now, so I don't know how many more. If not right now, how many more years are there? Two or three. In which case, okay, who can you move him and move him for? Yeah, but you could ask that same question of Mitchell, for that matter. Is he good enough to take you? Because he hasn't gotten where Lillard's gotten on the Dallas roster. No. And you're right; he hasn't gotten where Lillard got to a conference final. But on this roster, with Conley next to him, and with Rudy Gobert and going down the roster after that, yeah, maybe he can. Maybe he can't. That's why we're all watching. There's certainly not a slam dunk. So you got to throw the maybe in there. I mean, we can put on the rose-colored glasses, but you got to throw in the maybe. Good chance. But you're saying there's a chance. No, well, there but, is a chance. But there's more than a chance. Yes. It's not a long shot, unless you got a drastic injury. But it's interesting how you get out of wherever you are. Because unless you're winning it all, you want more. And of course, you win it all, you want it again. And how do you get there? And if you're looking at Sacramento, the opponent tonight, I like a little of their nucleus. You know, and I'm not talking about winning at all by any stretch. I'm not going to talk about contending. Well, in, in Kings, it's just to have a, have a winning season. I, I mean, think they've got a shot. When we compare it, like the Mariners have had winning seasons and not made the playoffs. The Kings haven't had a winning season. That's the difference of well, that, that 10 or 16. that get you in. 10 or 16 playoff teams, right. Yeah. Usually it will. There's occasional outliers like Hornacek's Suns team that won 48 or whatever it was yeah, and yeah. missed. But that's rare. Right. In basketball, generally, if you get over 500, you're in. Yeah. I think they can get there. Now, that that's their goal. Portland and Dallas have superseded that goal. And they're looking at trying to do more. But if you're in team management, how do you go about that? It's We all know what you want, but how do you do it? You know, how did the Jazz get to this point where they view themselves, rightly so, as a contender? Even though they've yet to get to conference finals. Can you be a contender 
without having gone to the conference finals. I think you can because that's what Phoenix did last year. We were surprised by it. But they did it. But they got the and they obviously they took it a step beyond that. Into the NBA finals. And got to the to the final. And Well, that's where you go. The West is so deep. The West is so deep. I, I think I don't think, you think it is. that's overplayed now. Yeah, it's faded. Deep. What? Because the Clippers and the and the Nuggets have injuries, and the Lakers have turned the whole roster over, so the depth isn't what it was. I don't look at the West as being this juggernaut of a conference, one of a kind. Blah 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 blah. I, I just there's a bunch of decent teams, but you know, but it's not even where it was two years ago. Right, because you could say, well, it's deep, so it's hard. No, I would say it is the Warriors of a few years ago. That was deep. Because what's the difference if you got 10 average teams or good teams versus one super team? You're not going to get there. That's the Rockets. They were good. 65 wins. I would rather have it. get past them. This way than the other way. You like it better when there's like five, five or six teams well, with a ten, fifteen, or twenty percent chance of winning it all. I personally don't care, but I'm talking about but you from want more competition. I don't care. Yeah. No, I don't care. You I, take the super. No, team. I, I'm talking from management standpoint, from their perspective. If I'm Justin Zanuck, mm-hmm. I rather have the West the way it's constructed now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah versus yeah. right, yes. the Warriors of right, a few right. years back. You signed Durant. How are we supposed? to— I'm talking from management, not as fa- not right, as a no, fan. I totally get that. Yes, I get where you're going now. I was lost, but I got it because I think I got a better chance. Yeah. I think most people agree with that. There's competition now, as opposed to a super team putting a ceiling on everybody. Where do we have to be seated to avoid those guys as long as possible? Because they're obviously the best. And it's the same thing that the Utes find themselves in this year. The South stinks. Cool. You're going to (laughs) be the best. Doesn't mean you stink, but the South stinks. It does. You can't argue that. And and believe me, I've been in this conference a thousand times longer than you, so I don't take any pride saying this. Uh, But it stinks. It's not a good division. It's one of the weaker ones. You can go back and when the Utes first came in the league in 11, it stunk then. And I think it's on par with its stinkness now. I guess the best of both would be the conference or the division is really good and you're the best of the division. Big Ten East. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And those SEC ones. Uh, but at the same time, you know, what does it matter? Uh, the ACC has stunk, but Clemson's playing for the big prize in recent years more often than not. As long as you're good, and if you can get it, if the Utes get to the Rose Bowl, who cares? If they're running out of that tunnel on that gorgeous January 1st day in uh, Pasadena, none of it really matters. You're doing it. You know, unless you went 5-4, and four, I guess. Uh, They're not going to do that, though. Right? Yeah, that that I don't see that. I don't. See, maybe even six and three. If they went six and three this year, that would be disappointing. Yeah, but they're not going to do that. I don't think they are. But it they, would be disappointing. There's no doubt it would be disappointing. The idea of trying to emerge from where you are to where you want to go just seems like that task is so difficult. 
How do you get that job done? Well, for a lot of NBA teams, it has been find the diamond in the rough. It used to be find your way to the best spot in the lottery, and man, the Sixers worked hard at that. But the Jazz hit on a mid-first-round pick and a late-first-round pick, so that's why they are where they are. That's the foundation of the franchise. Denver hit on a second-round pick. That's why they are where they are. The Suns are an interesting deal. That's a combination of the Paul trade and a couple draft picks. Now, man, they had a lot of bites at the Apple. Well, the, they were in they Sacramento. They suck at every draft pick. Right. They were in Sacramento territory. They got a lot of high draft picks and hit on a few of them. But yet, Booker was like 13, 14. Right. Somewhere in there. He went right after Lyles. So not in slam dunk territory. No, not at all. No. But you get a one, and you get a decent player, and you hit on a mid-first round pick, and you make a trade for a guy who was overpriced and or undervalued. So is it somewhat just arbitrary? There are multiple paths to get there, and maybe you do catch breaks along the way. I think you always catch a break. It, I mean, if, if you draft number one the year Tim Duncan is coming out, you're lucky you won the lottery that year because everybody would have taken Duncan number one. But Scott Layden said a long time ago about Stockton, he said we were lucky. Now, people would say, oh, they identified Stockton in the middle of the first round, which they did. But they didn't identify him as a first ballot Hall of Famer because, as Scott Layden himself said, if I knew he was a first ballot Hall of Famer, I should have mortgaged the farm, traded whoever it took to move up and get him earlier. I shouldn't have waited for him to fall to us. Now, it worked out. They fell to him, but that's where the luck part comes in. They were lucky they fell to him. Mm. So you can always say there's a little bit of luck. T- yeah. The Bulls were lucky Jordan stayed on the board till number three. They were smart to take him at number three. They're lucky he was on the board at number three. They're lucky that other people were stupid? Yeah. Hmm. Yes. Yeah, but he could have had injuries. Well, anybody could have had injuries, so everybody's lucky there, too. I mean, some guys did. Bill Walton won two NBA titles, and people thought he was on track yeah, to win but, three, but, four, but or five, you, but he had injuries. You, you don't know that. You, you can't know that, There's but he a, did have injuries. You could, you, could, you could lose your incentive. You could get fat like Sean Kemp. Uh, any number of things. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver, coming up in 15 minutes. The Cougars, all set up now. We'll talk with him next. Stay with us. This is Unripe. You guys are doing a hell of a job. The thing that really jumps out at me at, at Cam Rising, we're only, what, five, six games into him playing period in college football. Yeah. I mean, and I know he's mature. I know he's he's been around a while. But he still doesn't have game experience, and he's playing, and and he's reacting like he's a third a third year starter, and the guys are rallying around him. I mean, and, and they go like like he's really he's their guy, and he really does have that it factor to his his game. That is unbelievable. Catch unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Kieran weekdays from three to seven on 1280 The Zone, powered by KSLSports.com. DJ PK in the morning in the morning is proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. One thing to watch for in the Jazz game tonight, PK, the Jazz are gonna start shooting the three better at some point here. They're shooting 32.5%. That is bottom half, almost bottom third of the league. And yeah, I think we all think they're better the than that. <laughs> you can break down off the bounce or the catch and shoot. <laughs> Corner three above the break, top of the three straight away. 
Thirty-two and a half percent. That's a low number. Above the break, I don't understand the break. break sure, of you what? do. It's the line. The three-point line comes straight up the sideline, and then it breaks and it curves towards the top, the, beyond the, top of the, the key. It's a continuous line. There's no break. It starts it's at a the different corner, angle, and it, it goes changes. all the way over. It, it does. doesn't break. The it does. angle, oh, the angle changes. changes, but it doesn't break. But that's called the break. But it's wrong. It's I don't not. care. You can call it whatever you want. It's, it's a on. continuous line. Quick it goes all the way around Quick above the break. Speak plain English, my own. And you're the one who brought it up anyway. I'm telling you, all three pointers. I know I brought it up. 32.5%. They're better than that. They're 5-1 and one and they're shooting the three poorly. Because it bugs me every time Locke says it, and it bugs me every well, time he says the cup. Because if it was a cup, we'd have to call timeout and have to go reach down and pull the ball up. Because if I got a cup of coffee, and I know you folk don't have that, but if I do, the coffee does not go through the bottom. It stays there. The cup has to have a bottom by definition. Do you ever put? We went golfing, you and I, on your birthday yesterday and hit the ball into the cup, and it's right there. It doesn't just keep going and going and going. No, it's right there. The cup has to have a bottom. The cup can't be bottomless. You'd spill that hot, hot, coffee, hot cup of coffee on yourself, and you'd have to sue McDonald's. No, if I held it out, if I extended my arm, if my wingspan was 7.3... Yuck, well, I'm three-putting yesterday on number 10. Don't put it above the pin, he tells me. I immediately put it above the pin. While I'm three-putting, this lady's walking by with her mom, and her mom's probably, I don't know, 80, 85, 90, whatever. And PK announces from about 70 yards away that it's my birthday. I was on the green. She was like 20 feet. She walked over, and she smiled and waved. Wish this man a happy birthday. And when they announced next up, I oh, went yeah. in and told, well, I go in there to pay, and the guy says, oh, man, PK, hey, and you're playing with DJ. I said, yeah, yeah. I said, hey, and it's, bir- it's his birthday today, too, so when you announce that we're up, give him a shout out. And he, he did. did. I like it. Well done to that pro shop. <laughs> and the next group, one guy was waiting. He found it hilarious. He was entirely too entertained by it. And man, P- PK I, wallowed in it. I'm very I sad I wallowed. I you care. <laughs> You're the man. I like to recognize the old partner on his birthday. What do you mean wallowing in it? It was your day. Tell the birthday, the other birthday story about it, because you'd done that to your wife. That was funny. Yes, a couple years ago, she had a big birthday, and it was on Saturday, was her birthday, and her birthday's in June, and we had a big thing, we went up to Wasatch, and so there, yesterday it wasn't too crowded, it's getting late in the year, obviously, well, in June, on a Saturday in Wasatch, it's packed, right? And so I tell the guy, I said, hey, uh, it's my wife's, wife's birthday, so when you call us up, can you say uh, something along the line, yeah, 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 I got it, I got it, I got it, okay. Man, dude, man, you are grouchy. <laughs> but then, <laughs> and then when he calls us, he goes on for like five minutes. He's all sunshine. The lovely Mrs. <laughs> Kidman. We would like to extend a birthday greeting as she approaches the first tee. <laughs> I love that happened to you though, because you got you got the Jersey attitude from the guy at the counter when it didn't matter because she couldn't hear. When she can hear, it's just all sunshine and roses. Oh, totally. It's, he yes. sells it, but you you just got Jersey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. <laughs> and then. We had a cool party for her at the homestead, and it was right. It was so it's June before last, so it's right in the height of the pandemic. Nobody's been outside or mm-hmm. didn't doing anything. So I'm, I only invited a select few that I knew would want to go because I didn't know about the pandemic. And we had it outside, right? Mm-hmm. And so and everybody was spaced. 
uh, because it was, you know, still everyone, right. not, not that it's gone now by any stretch, but nevertheless, it was even more heightened awareness. But so I, I told him to get there around six. And um, so we get to, we get done about five thirty. And oh, man, I got to kill time. So we go and approach him. I said, hey, pick yourself something out. You know, it's your birthday. And she gets something. I look at my watch. Oh, it's still No, no, go back. Look, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> Keep <laughs> she, going. She, she's got no idea. Thinking, wow, man, what's what's up with the tightwad boy here? I better take advantage of this, right? So she buys two or three more things. And then we, you got that long driveway that you pull in. Mm-hmm. Off the whatever that street is yeah. for the homestead, and they're all right to the right, literally right to the right, and they're all set up. And my daughter had it catered; she handled the whole thing, and they got balloons and everything. Well, you can see. So <laughs> we go in, and I'm thinking, oh, I don't want her to see it, right? I want her to walk upon it. And I said, I point to the left. Oh, look at that over there! Mm-hmm. So vulnerable. She just looks. <laughs> Totally misses the whole thing. <laughs> Look at you go. <laughs> right? <laughs> so she told you, are right. And so we park over by where you would play golf, and I say, let's go check out the course. Let's just see what they've done. So instead of walking through the parking lot, we walk all the way around that path and come all the way. And she, she told me later, thinking, what is he doing? <laughs> Why aren't we, because we checked in earlier in the day, yeah. and I made sure that I got the space that I wanted and everything, and I had it all planned out. And then we're walking up, and... The th- when she knew it was a surprise, you know, the first thing she saw that that told her, this is for me, our dog. No, oh, really? The dog was the giveaway? <laughs> yes. Because I, I was the- thinking, like, daughter, balloons, no, what would it be? It was no, the dog. It was the dog. She saw the dog there and then put two and two together because she wasn't, it was total surprise. So she wasn't expecting any humans that she would have known. Right. So she saw people, even though she obviously knew all of them, and... But hadn't put it together, and she saw the dog, and then when she saw the dog, she started crying. Ah, there it is. (laughs) When we come back, Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver, joins us next. The Cougars set up to roll. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's time to welcome in Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver. He joins us right now on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular or hosting subscription. Visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. Dylan, good morning. Good morning, fellas. How are we doing? Good. You were jealous, weren't you? You were watching those offenses go up and down the field. Why couldn't I have one more year of eligibility? Everybody. A touchdown pass for you, a touchdown pass for you. Everybody gets a touchdown pass. It was a basketball game out there. Yeah, it really was. When you look at this offense, they had the breakthrough game, obviously, but you know, been fairly consistent this year. Uh, how much do you credit uh, somebody like Aaron Roderick? And I believe you played for him. He wasn't necessarily the coordinator then, but you still know about him and in terms of his impact on this offense. Uh, I think if, if you look at the overall stride that has been made in the last year and a half, two years, where you saw an uptick in the amount of points that BYU was able to put up, you saw uh, a more consistent level of I guess just, you know, offensive 
strength coming from BYU, um, I, I would give a lot of that credit to to A Rod. Um, the guy is he's an unbelievable coordinator. He's extremely brilliant in in the football sense, and um, you know was has really just been a game changer for for BYU and. and even more specifically, he's been a game changer for Kalani. Why is it hard to get some players into the right position? Someone as good as Tyler Algier, uh, how come there's no hype and he's not the running back the day he steps on campus? That's honestly, it's, it's a really, really good question. I think there's a, a mix of pride between coaches and pride between players, right? In, in what you're willing to play and what you're willing to be. I think if you look at what a lot of guys, I mean, you see it mainly in the quarterback position, right, where guys aren't willing to make that type of change um, and they're not willing to be that type of player. And then, you know, then you look at what development is like. Uh, Tyler was not the size he was um, and didn't, you know, hadn't really grown into his body his freshman year at BYU when he walked on, right? And so... Uh, when you look at a few of those different aspects, you kind of start to see, okay, you know, what do these guys play? What position do they play? Where do they best fit? And sometimes it takes a few years to genuinely be able to see exactly uh, where they're the most optimal. And luckily, Tyler grew up and is, is optimal on both sides of the ball, which is a special feature to have. Yeah, and it's been an incredible success story, and <clears throat> looks like it's going to continue on into the NFL. How about the other side? How many times have you seen guys that were good enough, but for whatever reason, and exclude injury because that that can be something that's beyond your control. But things that you can control, as far as basically not having enough heart or determination or whatever you want to phrase it, and basically waste their talent. Uh, uh every. Every day, all day, that's probably – you talk to a lot of guys and you are a part of a lot of different programs, you see that more often than not. Um, there's a reason that people are on scholarship or have been given the capability to play at the highest level uh, but then aren't able to capitalize, and a lot of that is due to their drive, their work ethic, what goes on off the field, and their, their amount of focus. Um, because there are a lot of guys out there that are extremely, extremely talented. Probably some of the most talented players I've ever been around uh, that are now not playing football simply because they just didn't didn't add up the uh, amount of success that they could have. Is this right now the reason everyone should embrace the Big 12 and wish it would get here even faster. BYU's having a good season. It's really intriguing. But now it's guaranteed win, bye week, guaranteed win, probable win to finish the year. I, I don't know. I don't, think, I don't think it's, hey, let's get it here today. I think the amount of time left in the independent scheduling system, right, um, leaves a lot of time for more growth and a lot of time for games that may not be played ever again, right? And so to me, I think that's huge. 
I think that's exciting and fun, and it kind of leaves you that opportunity to, to play those types of game on a regular basis. Um, I think the anticipation is also good, right, to continue to build that and not have it just be a one-step, hey, here we all are. Yeah, I agree with that, actually, because you could be playing Kansas this week and expect to beat them by 35. And to me, I think for basketball, I just assume they get out of the West Coast Conference or play Gonzaga 12 times and Uh get on with it and get to where they're going to play these better teams because I think the program is ready and... I would love to see it start now. I got to go through two seasons of the West Coast Conference that I'm not looking forward mm-hmm. to. But at the same time, football wise, I think it's important in many aspects for the team to the program to prepare itself to where it needs to be. And it has, right. I think, the two year lead in gives them plenty of time to get to where they need to be. They could probably be competitive this year, although they weren't all that competitive against Baylor, and Baylor may end up being certainly one of the better, if not the best team, we'll find out. But I like the fact that they got a couple years in football because I think there's some work that they need to do to get better, and the fact with the missions and all, basically every kid that you're Mm -hmm. recruiting now who goes on a mission is a Big 12 recruit. Right, right. And I think that, that comparison is the best comparison you make just because of the amount of guys that are expected to be on the field, right? <laughs> With the basketball team, you only have 15 guys that you need to have ready. And right now, you can make that switch in a year. If you look at what Pope has done in the last two years with the basketball team, he's completely flipped the program in terms of talent upside down. So they're ready, exactly like you're saying. Whereas the football cycle is much, much different, and there's a lot more uh, time, right? There's a lot more runway for coaches to build a program in a football environment due to the amount of people, right, the amount of scholarships, the amount of guys, the amount of resources that you need to get aligned, and that all takes, you know, that's why you have guys who get three to four to five years, especially in a group of five, and maybe not in the SEC, but a group of five, they're getting that type of runway to build out. Which position group needs the runway the most for BYU? Uh, defensive backs. Yeah. 100%. Um, I think the depth of this position is not in a place that is going to achieve right the most. <laughs> like, How are they going to be able to keep up athletically? with Big 12 receivers and Big 12 skill talent in terms of depth, right? The first deep, even a couple of the extra guys, but when, you know, you need, you need three levels of talent to be able to keep up with those, uh, with those athletes. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, and I think they've gotten better at that, uh, but it's still a process. I'm interested to see in how they go as far as recruiting because we know where recruiting is strong for BYU, the state of Utah, Arizona, California, you know, Idaho, Nevada. But uh, yeah. wh- where is it going to go once they get in? My thought is that the first thing I do, if uh, maybe Klein's already done it, is put as much emphasis and as much 
financial resource into Texas as possible. Yep. You think that's the way? One hundred percent. I think if you if you hang out in the Panhandle, right, uh, and you make Texas and and you make Florida a, a key place for a free, and the one resource that you're going to need to do that is you're going to need a coach that is experienced in that area. So either bringing on another coach or a few guys that are a part of the Big 12 staffs right now um, that you can say, hey, we're going to put money not necessarily in your, right, it's a college football coach key, but, you know, we're not putting a ton of money into your ability to coach football. We're putting our money into your ability to recruit. Um, and, you know, I think that you, you've got to be able especially in this conference, we're not going to be able to hang out in even just California, right? Like can't hang out in just California, can't hang out in just Texas and Nevada. You need to make your presence known and go have a huge impact in Big 12 territory. Dylan Dylan Colley joining us, former BYU wide receiver. How big is the gap to upgrade talent off what you saw in the Baylor game? I think I don't think talent is is really it. I think it is. It goes to really size um, and and dominance from the box, right? And I think did do we have our best guys on the field today? No, right? Especially when it comes to that box. No, don't get me wrong. Baylor clearly dominated that game. Like, there's no questions asked. Like, that was that was uh, not what we had all seen the last, you know, first six weeks of the, uh, of the season. I think really it's going to come down to the to the size of the box and the athletic ability there to really be able to answer that talent gap uh, for 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 groups like Baylor, right, where you get a lot of farm-fed country boys who are out there and just can physically and naturally dominate the man across from them. I want to go back to that assistant coach stuff. I think we had, uh, I don't know if we had him on the show, but I remember Norm Chow saying Mm -hmm. basically you just need uh, your coordinators to coach and the other guys recruit. Uh, You've been recruited. You've been coached by assistant coaches, position coaches, uh, where do you stand on the assistant coach's ability to coach from a technical standpoint as opposed to recruiting? Yeah, I think I think in today's game that my opinion has changed, whereas before I was very heavily set on you need to be a technical head coach along with the ability to recruit. Um, as we see the amount of really, you know, time that's spent on individual trainers, right? The time that's spent on outside resources for individual players. I think the recruiting has now become far more important uh, from the assistants. And, you know, that technical prowess can kind of be solved outside of the locker room or even within, you know, the, the offensive coordinators. My big thing is that if you look at for instance, uh, I forget the, the coach's name, but 
Alabama's, I think, running backs coach. Right? Alabama's running backs coach. He's got like four or five guys in his room, but he's making almost, you know, six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars a year as an assistant coach, assistant position coach, because he's the number one recruiter in the nation. Right? And so it's obviously a huge priority to have, you know, your recruiting capabilities and have the assistant, you know, coaching capabilities just kind of be a uh, afterthought. How would your folks react if you or your brother or whoever was in a recruiting situation and the coach you're recruiting was involved in a Halloween monkey biting incident through a significant other? <laughs> That's, uh, uh, we would no longer be recruited by that coach. Um, if, if it was, if it was a position coach, especially, uh, you know, I think, uh, if you're getting bit by monkeys on Halloween, uh, it says one thing about you. If you're getting by bit by your girlfriend's, uh, monkey, uh, who was in a previous industry, um, I think you really got things going. So. I don't think we'd last long in that conversation. Yeah, and I'm uncomfortable with this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I tried hey, I tried to make it as comfortable as possible. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right, well we'll leave it right there. Dylan, we appreciate the time. We're not gonna ask you what's gonna happen in the next three weeks because I think we all know how it's gonna play out. But Thanksgiving weekend at the Coliseum, maybe that'll be interesting. We'll look forward to that. We'll talk to you again, Dylan. Thanks a lot. Bye. Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver, joins us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We got tickets to see the Utah Jazz and the Sacramento Kings tonight. And we got a couple tickets. We're going to give them away on the other side of this break. 9.30. Stay with us. DJ and PK, get you up to speed on everything you missed. The NFL, the NBA, the Jazz. It's all on the way next with the Jazz tickets on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. After a battle against Bronco Mendenhall in Virginia, the Cougars finally get a week off from Power 5 opponents as they welcome in Idaho State to Provo. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 1230 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to give away a couple more tickets to see the Utah Jazz play tonight. They're hosting the Sacramento Kings. Game tips at 7 o'clock. 855-340-ZONE. We're taking caller 12 right now. 855-340-ZONE for the Jazz and Kings tickets. Time for the Slacker Radio Headlines, brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call Lee's now for the $59 Furnace Tune-Up Special or visit them online at leesheatac.com. Monday Night Football last night, PK. The Chiefs, who've been in the AFC title game three years in a row, two Super Bowls, won one of them. They are 4-4 four and four after squeezing past the Giants with a couple of field goals in the fourth quarter. 20-17. to 17. Not really an inspiring performance there by KC. They're 4-4, four and four, but they got three straight division leaders coming up. It doesn't look good for Kansas City. It don't look good? You're calling it, huh? Packers, Raiders, Cowboys. And then they got a bye week and a bunch of division games. So KC 4-4. Four four. 
the so Rams. Do they make the playoffs? <sighs> they could squeeze in. I'd probably pick against it. They could squeeze in. Don't like their chances to win the division. So you're on Don't the fire Andy Reid bandwagon, huh? Nah, not at all. Not firing Andy Reid. <laughs> We're not going to make the playoffs. Playoffs? Come on. The Rams going all in for the Super Bowl right now, trading for Von Miller. Sending a second and third round draft pick to Denver for the eight-time Pro Bowler. Make it $9.7 million. Broncos going to pay $9 million of it. Broncos figured they were going to lose him at the end of the season anyway, so they'll get a couple of draft picks for him. They're 4-4, four and four, but they're not all in on going to the playoffs. They're building for the future. Good. Fortunately, we'll get to see them every Sunday. Didn't get to see them last Sunday. Bull crap. Washington and Denver? Was that on? Yes, my friend. That was no. on. <laughs> you sure you didn't watch that? On the uh, No, Green Bay was on. I know I didn't watch it. I think you saw it on the ticket. No. You're going to watch that crap? Yeah. Get out of town. I was watching uh, Tampa Bay and New Orleans. Yeah. That was the game that was on. The Bronco game wasn't on. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I was watching. I wasn't going to watch that crap. That's what I just said. The Broncos were not on that last week. Channel 2 didn't carry him. Neither did 13. I didn't watch him. That's why I said I wasn't going to watch it. You're wrong. You're changing the topic. <laughs> nice try. You defending Channel 2 at all costs. <laughs> Jazz and Kings tonight. Got any tension in this one? Any doubt in this? Jazz sure. just won in Sacramento. Anything yeah. can happen in the NBA in any given night. So oh, you yeah. can go for 30. As we were talking about earlier, I like the young nucleus that Sacramento has. Uh, I probably think they're going to screw it up. But I mean, they've got some players. You like Fox? Oh, yeah, yeah. Barnes isn't young, so young nucleus. He's not. No, he's been in the league for a number of years. But this Mitchell kid, uh, the center, Holmes, his player. Yeah, I I, I like some of their guys. They've gone three and one on the road this year. We'll see what they do with the Jazz. I mean, they're halfway decent. to the Mavs. And right. for Sacramento, halfway decent. That's a decent. step forward. Was, That's progress. Yeah. There's no question that it is. So that uh, I, I think they they can be any given game. I don't think they're going to be a, a rollover. In some, some games, they can be a, a pushover for sure. You know, things aren't going well. But it's all, for the Jazz, it's all about just checking off another one. Just do what you do. Check it off. We'll get to Christmas. We'll get to MLK. We'll get to the All-Star break. And you just hit all these milestones. Yeah, right. I mean, that's where we are with this team, right? It's your horse racing analogies. One furlong, two furlongs, yeah, just, three furlongs. Just keep plowing through. Rudy got asked about something. I don't even remember what the question was, but his answer went to, well, yeah, we got to get to the playoffs. That's where we're really going to, you know. Yeah. We've gotta, we got to get better every but day during is, the regular this season. This is November. I know. We still have the entire winter and, and half a spring. And the Jazz are five and one, and they're shooting the three very poorly. Thirty-two and a half percent, bottom half of the league. I think that's, that's a little bit of the competition has not been great, so you don't need step it up. B minus efforts to uh, to play, uh, but you know you just look at there's enough stuff that Quinn Snyder can jump on them because that Chicago game 
was very frustrating and enough to pull your hair out because they didn't, they made enough mistakes. And Chicago was a pretty good ball club this year, six and, and one, yeah. best record in the NBA yeah. after a spectacular comeback in Boston. But I still think, as I was watching that game preceding the two Utah and BYU football games, the Jazz were making a bunch of mistakes that were like, "What are you guys doing?" So there's still enough to to work on and and. And to get better, and then when you get Gay back, you're going to have to find him, uh, find a way to make sure he blends in. And you know, I don't know exactly what their plans are for him, what they're thinking. Uh, we'll find that out. That's the great thing. But that will be an adjustment period. I'd like to see him get back as soon as possible, whenever he might be ready. I don't think necessarily that the team needs him right now to win ball games, but you didn't bring him in to be winning ball games in the first week of November anyway. You brought him in for. Uh, opportunities down the line, and so that'll be that'll be a storyline when it comes to pass his return of how the mesh is him with them and them with him. The Bulls that you speak of were down fourteen going to the fourth quarter in Boston and won by fourteen, a twenty-eight point fourth quarter swing. They outscored the Celtics thirty-nine to eleven. Boston is two and five, and Danny Ainge left town just in time. What is wrong with the Celtics? Danny doesn't have to answer that question now. A little bit of a surprise for me. Two and five start. Two that they would be this much. Now they they you know they didn't just lose him. Uh, what's his face? Uh, Walker took off. Mm-hmm. But that seemed like it was even last year was sort of a mishmash of guys, and that they all work well together because I thought there was a level of underachieving, which is probably why they made the changes because they made significant uh, off the court changes with Stevens moving up and Ainge taking off. Uh, another game of note, another big fourth quarter. Orlando beat Minnesota with a 43-19 fourth quarter, so a couple of outrageous fourth quarters. The 76ers did not have Embiid, but who did they have, PK? Jordan Yang. 31 minutes. <laughs> That's awesome. 21 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists. Sweet. Let him just run things. Great. That's awesome, man. He was a good guy around here. Like watching him come off the bench and, and play and do his thing. So, yeah, I would we, uh, we have, for him. We have to remember to ask, uh, ask Joe Ingles not only about this game, but we have to ask him about the Simmons video because the practice video with the phone in the pocket and he's moving around at half speed in the background there is Niang. Look at him completely amazed. Got to see if Joe's talked with George well, about that. Plus, Simmons is an Australian. Yeah. Joe's got multiple links to that story. But, man, the look on George's face is like, I cannot believe I'm seeing this. That's so unprofessional, man. I'm the new guy. I'm not going to say anything. But, man, Quinn would have lost it. Well, anybody would have. I mean, you're you're getting in the way. The goal here is to win as many games as you possibly can. And I I think that whole situation is a complete and total turnoff for the fan base. And it's basically now it is unreturnable. There's no coming back for Ben Simmons. Because, you know, I've been in that area, in Philadelphia, into the South Jersey area, which is a suburb, and, you know, they've got the uh, mentality, and it's a cliche, but I think it's true in terms of getting uh, up and going to work every day and all that. I mean, Iverson was beloved by that community. You know, he had uh, all sorts of issues, and, you know, he was born to a 15-year-old, and so he was batting. Uh, He wasn't exactly born on third base here, let's put it that way. Uh, so, uh, but yet nobody doubted, 
even with the practice, talking about practice rant, nobody doubted his abilities to ball out. And he brought it every night. Yeah. You, you paid your money or you right. set aside your time to watch the game on TV. Right. Paid your cable or satellite bill to watch on TV. Right. And Iverson brought it. So at least the people that I knew or, or still know mm-hmm. in that area were huge fans of his because it's all about whatever you got, give it to me. And Simmons isn't giving you anything and he's getting paid a ton of money. And that's never going to fly yeah, well. There's yeah. really no town that's going to fly well in, but it's certainly not going to fly well in Philly. Right. But I don't know that it would fly well in Atlanta or Salt Lake or Portland or wherever. Right, but more so there. More so, so I agree Philly. with you on both accounts. And so I don't think that it's a situation that can be repaired. It's the rare unrepairable, or is it irreparable, whatever it is? Disrepairable. I don't think it's that. Probably not. Zion Williamson progressing in his recovery. He's going to be reevaluated in two to three weeks, which means we're a long ways away from seeing the Pelicans on uh, ESPN twice a week. Yeah, and what are they, like one and six? Yeah, they're off to a terrible start. That thing's going nowhere. The story in New Orleans is the Saints. Jameis Winston tore his ACL and his MCL. He's out for the season. They're off to a good start. They beat Tampa Bay. So now it's Simeon and Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill's in concussion protocol, but the Saints thinking they're going to get him back. So we may be seeing more Taysom Hill in New Orleans. And Russell Wilson on his way to being back in Seattle. They took the pin out of his surgically repaired right middle finger. Uh, They are on a bye week. They play the Packers on the 14th. We'll see if he's back for a game with Aaron Rodgers. If Hope not, so. you would think the week after, but hopefully for that one. Enjoy watching that fellow play the game of football. Yep. And Derek Henry out in Derek Henry is out indefinitely. Right foot. They're signing 36-year-old Adrian Peterson. The Titans are six and two. Now there are some teams at five and two, but they got the best record in the AFC right now for eight games. But he is such a big part of their offense. You I'm thinking think. because the offense is so tailored toward him. I don't know if Adrian Peterson is the guy, but somebody ought to be able to move the ball. Because their line's still good. Yeah, because I don't care who you are, the greatest back in the world, you've got to have folks creating some space for you. And they haven't changed. Titans are 6-2. and two. If they can't sustain this pace, then we're looking at the Bills, Ravens, and Raiders all at 5-2. and two. Next up, who's the big dog? Bills, Ravens, Raiders. Bills and Ravens have playoff experience. The Raiders, eh, a little newer to that. So I would go on that. I would rate Bills 1, Ravens 2, and then Raiders 3. Yeah, that's how I would also. And maybe somebody else at 5-3 and three or 4-3 four and three or 4-4 four and four gets it together, but I would think those are the big three right now. With you know, We'll see how the Titans stack up with them going forward. Yeah, but I don't rule them out, even with the Henry loss, which is a blow. College football playoff rankings will be revealed tonight. Then I'm not going to watch them. Just look at them on your phone when everybody posts them on Twitter. Don't need to dedicate an hour as they slowly roll them out. Those things are excruciating. (laughs) They are. I totally agree. (laughs) Excruciating made-for-TV shows. The information you want, but you don't want to wait through 30 or 60 minutes. It's that and draft lottery. There it is. The draft lottery. Just tell me. Did the NCAA tournament reveal basketball tournament? That moves along fast enough. 68 teams. You getting enough info there? It's not drip, drip, drip. 
Somehow that seems better. Yeah. And then it's overwhelming because after they give it to you, you totally forget. <laughs> I can't memorize yeah. 68 pieces of information. Right. And it's more than that because it's matchups and game locations and times and dates. That when I was with the watchdog and covering the Utes, even the Cougars to a lesser extent, but certainly the Utes in the 90s. That was a big day. That was the biggest day of the year. Oh, really? For me, yes. Because it, because I was going to, I knew the possibilities, but I didn't know where. And I would. Uh, you needed quotes. You need to write a story. You need yeah. to book airline tickets. Yeah, yeah, everything, you know. And the, you, we got the Utes, all day and nothing happens. And all of a sudden it all happens at once. And a lot of times I was traveling back from Vegas after they won the thing. You know, because it was the day before yeah. uh, Saturday. Mm-hmm. Was and so it was the adrenaline rush. For me in March was just so dramatic. And now you're over college basketball. I'm reading you a college basketball random preseason poll, and you're like, you're so into college hoops. <laughs> you are. I am. You are more than I am. I enjoy it. Fine. I, great. Yeah, to me. But the, the funny thing is, though, even though that was my life at the time, and uh-huh. I have a wooden award vote, and yep. I follow it. Because I respect the wooden thing, so I just don't willy-nilly it. I was always a pro guy because that is my background growing up in the Northeast, where the pro sports are such, and the Knicks yeah. were such a big deal. Even though I was never a Nick fan, I followed them religiously, and can tell you that Dean Meminger was coming off the bench for the Knicks and all that stuff. And John Gianelli was a big man, yeah. and Phil Jackson. I remember Phil Jackson playing, and so I knew all about that stuff. But I was always a, a pro guy. And then I moved to Phoenix, and that's the only pro team they have. So the I Suns were it. In those, in those days, the Suns were it. It was the Suns and ASU. That's what you got. But I was not an ASU guy whatsoever. Certainly, really have never been an ASU basketball guy, uh, because the pro game for me, even to this day, uh, and but the, it... it the program took a little bit of a backseat in March for me because it was my job. Now it's not my job day to day, but I still follow them all. I mean, I got the one of the reasons why I got the Pac-12 Network wasn't so much for the football; it was more so for the basketball. Sports Illustrated has Gonzaga number one, BYU opponent, Texas number two with Utah transfer hey, Timmy a Allen. Dixie opponent too. That's a true story. Next week, Gonzaga. Mark Few will not be coaching that game because of his DUI suspension. What? You mean what? Gonzaga Dixie? You said Pope. Few. No, oh, he said few. Oh, you just said few. Yeah, oh, I heard Pope. That's why I said what. I'm like, oh, what? oh, I, yeah, I didn't know what you were talking Sorry. about. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Let's straighten that out. Good. No. Kansas third, future Big 12. We're going to start watching the Big 12. I've always watched them, though. UCLA four. Yeah, they returned virtually everybody from Pac-12 their phenomenal run. And then it gets, well, Baylor's seven. So that's another. Baylor uh, lost four guys. Another Big 12 team in there. But I have to go and get a program, see who's transferred where. Oh, my gosh. They're everywhere. They get into that in these. Yeah. That all these and and you got to think, as much as we were throwing curveballs by football, we we're really going to be throwing them by basketball. I can't remember them all. No chance. Because basketball, has that's always been an issue. Right. But it's accelerated. Right. It's, new, it's new to football. Right. But basketball, this is, I mean, this is one team after another. Get old, stay old, and everybody's... 
Yeah, Atlanta the great transfers. thing with Gonzaga, I didn't have to look and say, okay, who do they got sitting over there? Because now everybody's eligible. But Gonzaga always had guys sitting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They're just, they transfer. And so now we'll see uh, next year. Well, now they can all be eligible immediately. And Gonzaga's got Timmy. They're looking at him as a potential player of the year. This Holmgren kid. I think that's his name, right? The big Chet dude. Holmgren. Yeah. The big dude, I think out of Minnesota. Seven footer out of Minnesota. Yeah. And they're already talking about him as a potential number one pick. And Gonzaga's done a masterful job. It used to be they would uh, develop the big guys, but now they've also moved in the backcourt too. BYU at 35. That's good enough. And they've got uh, Utah at 99. And they got Utah State at 106. Well, Utah State there is in Salt Lake, aren't they? And they have a lot of guys, uh, and then a couple guys transferred down with Craig T. Smith. Yes, they did. Some Aggies becoming Utes. Weber State's 149, second in the big sky. So, all right, DJ and PK coming up next. Your feedback. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. DJ and PK, it is time for your feedback. Would it be great if Oregon and BYU could play this season to determine which team is the best in the West? Tim says, how about a rematch with this new Utah team to see which team is the best in the state first? Uh, you already had your shot. Come on. Eric, new? What's new about him? It's not anybody's fault but wits that they started the wrong quarterback and didn't get along. BYU's hurt now and have had twice the difficulty schedule as the Utes. Twice? Twice. How's that? I'd They've been to... beating a bunch of Pac-12 teams. That's the Utes' schedule. It's literally the Utes' schedule. Boise State's 4-4. Four and four. I'll give you Baylor. Was... Baylor's tough. Yeah. That's the difference right there, yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if Oregon and BYU could play this season? And Vic Saunders with the Utah State logo says, Fredno, Fresno State would want to get in on that discussion. No. PK, you want to remind anybody what happened week one of the college football season? Well, Oregon beat Fresno. There it is. So, Aggie yeah. fan Dan, or half of the Mountain West. Seriously, Boise's probably the fourth best team in our conference, and they beat BYU. And then Eric's. Okay, who's the best team? Why do Aggie fans always chime in like they're relevant to any discussion? <laughs> nice. Jeez, it's harsh. Uh, the best team right now, Fresno State, leads the division. So Fresno State lost to Oregon. There we go. Fresno just beat San Diego. Did they already beat Nevada? Well, that's your division, not our division. Then it'd be Utah State. And BYU, BYU beat, beat Utah, Utah State. State. That's where I was going. Boom! <laughs> BYU beat Utah State, and Oregon beat Fresno State, and those are the division leaders. Fresno's a half game up on Nevada and San Diego right now. I think that, to me, the two best teams in the West are BYU and it's, Oregon. It's not just you. If you look at the polls, Oregon 7, BYU 17, Fresno's 25. Those are the only three teams in the Pacific and Mountain time zones that are ranked right now. Everybody else is in the Central or East. And I would like to see BYU and Oregon play. It would be a great it'd be, it'd game. It would be a great game. And it would be one of the biggest games of the week. This week, there's only one game matching ranked teams. I think the most honorable thing for Utah to do is to decline the opportunity to play Oregon in the Pac-12 title game and allow BYU to go. Busting that out at 956. <laughs> that would have been useful earlier in the show. That I think that's the most honorable thing Why to do. Why should Utah play Oregon twice if BYU doesn't even get to play them once? Is that what you're saying? Making my point. Of course, we don't know. It could be Utah-Oregon State rematch. That could still happen, although we're not anticipating I it. don't want that. Yeah. 
It could happen. It could happen. It could happen. Yes, it could. But I don't. I prefer Oregon, especially if the U. I guess it doesn't matter even if the Utes don't win, uh, because I think this year, as crazy as it's been for Utah since its uh, non-conference was literally their worst non-conference record ever since they've been in the conference. Yet I think this is their best chance to go to the Rose Bowl that they've ever had. And they've had two, I guess they've had more if you want to consider contention deep in November. But the two times they won it, I think if they win it this year, which I do think they will, will be the best chance to get that W and qualify automatically for the granddaddy. Coming up next, Jake and Ben loitering right outside the door, ready to entertain you on the other side of this break. Stay with us.